Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for January 2024, episode 83. Tim, 2024. Anyway, my name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you? I'm a little hoarse. Um... I'll just say that up front. You know, I've been battling some allergies, but went to a Mavericks Games doing a lot of yelling, and I have kind of lost my voice the last few days. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's laryngitis or anything. I'm not running fever or nothing, but a little bit of cough and some hoarseness. So I will apologize up front if it sounds a little funny, but uh, we'll we'll get through it tonight. I'm still glad to be here. Glad that you're here tonight, and hope that we have a good show. Yeah, absolutely. And Tim, we already have uh, quite a few people in the live chat wishing us a Happy New Year. We've got uh, Jumping General says Happy New Year, everyone. The Real Hammer Billy Lee says Happy New Year. Encore MPW says Happy New Year. Peter Siri says Happy New Year. And Big D Retro is here and says Happy New Year. And we would wish you a Happy New Year as well. Hopefully you had a great Christmas. Tim, we didn't do a show that long ago. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, it's been about three weeks because um, we took took the later, uh, we took the second Thursday of the month for the last three months. This is the first time we've had a show on the first Thursday of the month in, in, like I say, in three months, basically. Getting back on track. Exactly. New year, trying to get back to to our normal schedule. So first Thursday of the month is always what we shoot for, and that is what we are at this evening, which is good. So hopefully you guys uh, had a good new year like we talked about. Tim, you have a good new year, good Christmas? Yeah, it was a good... um, was a good time we i had a lot of time had some extra time off and um you know both kids were home for christmas so that was good um you know it was just a kind of a chill time watched a lot of football <laughs> and some good christmas shows movies stuff like that uh went to see a movie we'll talk about later and uh but it was just it was just good and our new year's eve was really quiet that's we, good. We went to bed, I think, about 8.30 or night. <laughs> well, you got to bed earlier than I did. We stayed up a little bit. But, we were, uh, I rang in the new year asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we shot off fireworks. We had a good time. Oh, yeah. my neighbors did too. <laughs> and were you able to get some sleep? No, it was fine. Yeah, right. I, started, I guess I started a new show or something. It was just, we watched about four or five episodes. By the time it got to 8.30 or 9, everybody's like, oh, we're tired. There so. you go. Well, hopefully you guys had a great new year, and it's good to have y'all back with us this evening. So tonight we'll be answering your arcade repair questions like we always do, but we do want to remind you that if you want to interact with us during the show, you can leave messages in the live chat like so many already have. Paul Dre says, Happy Happy New Year. Uh, let's see, we have uh, 
Pitchmeister, I guess that's how you say that. Happy birthday. Love you guys. Thank you. So uh, we love you guys no matter where you are, and we're glad that you're watching it this evening. So, um, Tim, really, um, with this new year kind of coming up, 2024, I feel like, is going to be um, it's gonna be big. We got I don't know if we got a lot of stuff coming up necess necessarily, but I think we're going to have a good time. We did kind of jumpstart um, Christmas last year by giving away a lot of stuff in that final live show. Yeah. So we had yeah. several people who emailed us about the contest, and here's the thing, Tim. Everybody that emailed us got something. Oh, wow. So we literally <laughs> sent a prize to everybody who emailed. Now... You had to follow the rules. So if you did not send your mailing address in there or did you did not say that Die Hard is or is not a Christmas movie, then you did not get something sent to you. But as long as you left your mailing address and put whether or not you thought Die Hard was or was not a Christmas movie, we did send you something and everybody gets something different. So I sent all those out uh, either right before Christmas or right after. So um, if you're in the live chat and you want to talk about what you got, we'd love for, the, for you to do that. You guys can kind of talk about it. Everything was a little bit video game slash arcade related okay. so because that's what we give away here. So um, <coughs> I uh, no prizes tonight because I think I gave them all away last month. So that, that's what I was really going to say. Tim. We'll this restock. Is, that's right. We'll restock. We'll try again another time. But we are glad you're here with us. And we hope that you stay tuned uh, for even more prizes in the future, even if we're not giving away any tonight. Right, Tim? Right. Okay, guys, so we have a lot of questions. Again, if you have any questions for us, you can always leave those in the live chat as we go. If you're watching this after the fact, maybe you're not watching live with us tonight, uh, you can leave questions in the comment section below, and we'll try to get to those on the next episode. And, of course, you can always email us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. And, and, Tim, I'm reiterating some stuff tonight because I do feel like we got... As we usually do during Christmas, we get a lot of new people um, watching the show. And so this may be your first time watching. In fact, some of these people who answered or who asked questions tonight that we'll be answering, I feel like we're maybe first-time writers, you know, okay. first people who wrote in for the first time. So if that's you, thanks for doing that. And we will be getting to your question here shortly. So, Tim, I think we're all caught up right now. Rob says Happy New Year. Lots of Happy New Year's and Happy New Year's to you guys, too. Hopefully uh, it was a safe and, and, and uh, pleasant have, one. Have so. you had to write 2024 yet? Well, you know, I don't, I don't do many checks. I don't do, yeah, it's like we don't write checks anymore. Right, exactly. So, um, the only thing I had to do twenty twenty four for the artwork for the episode. Okay. Obviously, so I mean, we did make it on there. Let's show that again, just to be sure. It always takes me a couple months to. I'll still there be writing twenty three or something. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So it takes a little bit. So I was able to get twenty twenty four on there. So I did that right. Okay. I'm good about that. Uh, you know, Tim, um, I'm actually in the process of switching checking accounts from one bank to another. My mm. my current bank made me mad. We're going to get off. Off topic here, right at the uh -oh. beginning. My current bank started charging me like an extra $10 per month if I didn't keep a balance of at least $1,500 all the time. Wow. In my checking account. In your checking account. Wow, who does that? Exactly. I mean, because if I have that much, guess where it's going? It's going to savings, right? Exactly. <clears throat> or it's going to investments or something. Sure. Like so I decided to quit that bank. And so I'm in the process of getting a new checkbook uh. and, and uh, a new. I have a new checking account. I just switched over a whole bunch of stuff. This is a headache, though. It is. Oh. It's a big headache, especially if you have stuff that automatically comes out. Exactly. You have to, Cover all your bases. Keep a little in there for a while. And then finally, I'm going to close it. Because, I, I mean, yeah. it's just not cool. But anyway, totally off subject. Let's get, let mm -hmm. us get to some arcade questions, Tim. That's right. why people watch, right? That's why you guys are here. Um, so let's go ahead and get to some. And the first one here we have, <sighs> Tim, is from German. Or Germ German. I guess it depends on how you, you uh, emphasize the syllable. But here we go. Let's go ahead and do that real quick. Uh, German says, hey guys, I managed to find a Konami silent scope recently, but the CRT monitor is having some problems. The game is loading, the start button is blinking, and I am able to start the game and hear the sound of the game, including the shooting when I press the trigger. However, I can't see any image. I think the CRT is out of sync. Now, Tim, you can see here, he sent us this picture, and mm. it does look like the CRT is out of sync. Or, or maybe not out of sync. I That's don't know. exactly what it looks like. Um, yeah. But based on what German has said and the, um, the picture 
he sent. What do you think is going on here with his sound scope? And I should say that uh, German's question is the inspiration for tonight's episode title, Blind But Not a Silent Scope. So there we go. Uh, and that's what I we have it. here. So Tim, uh, with the picture and the things that German said in mind, what can we do in order to help him get his silent scope back up and running? Well, it's one of the things that we talked about all the time. He did exactly what we would ask. We say, or can you coin it up? Does it make sounds? Do you do you hear things? So anytime that that is going on, you know that the problem has to be somewhere in the monitor. Now, it does look a little out of sync, but you're right. Uh, without really, you'd almost, you can't just look at a still picture. Sure. You almost have to watch it for a minute. So maybe it's just a bad connection. You need to check his solder joints and all that stuff. But a lot of times you can just adjust it some, and he can watch our video on adjusting an arcade monitor and try to get that back into sync. Now, it could also be a wiring issue that's come loose and causing it not, or the sync was never hooked up to begin with. One thing that he doesn't tell us, and I think this would help when you write a question, he doesn't say if this is an ongoing problem or if it just happened one day. Because sometimes if you bought it and it's never worked, then we might consider that and he's tried to adjust it then it could be a wire or a solder joint or something but if it just happened overnight that's also a lot of times just can be adjusted out so those would be a couple things that we would <clears throat> we would look into now of course you could have a pcb issue but it's probably not very common he's already determined that the game is playing it's just blind Mm -hmm. You can hear it. Exactly. So let's go ahead and look at what I wrote up here. Now, Tim, I did have a suggestion here. Something that you may not be with, familiar with on silence, guys, <coughs> you want to mention as well. Okay. It's possible that it could be a sync issue, like Tim mentioned. Make sure that your sync wire that runs from the game board to the monitor is making a good connection. Check the wire itself along with the input pins on the monitor chassis. Look for cold, cracked, broken solder joints as well. Now... SoundScope does have a VGA output on it, too, ah. okay? So you might try hooking a computer monitor to the VGA port to see if you get a picture. With that said, not all computer monitors will support that output resolution because I think it only puts out 15 and 25 kilohertz on that. Typically, VGA would be 31 kilohertz. And so if you have a multi-sync style monitor that will accept those, then it would work. Otherwise, it may give you a out-of-range uh, error or something like that on the monitor. So you may get an out-of-range. But if you get out-of-range, that means at least there's something being put out. So, I mean, you could, you could, of course, try that just to see if it works. And the point, of course, is to determine whether we have a monitor or a PCB issue. So if we hook up that computer monitor and we get a picture, then we know the problem's probably in the monitor at that point. If you get the same scrambly screen, then it could be that you do have a board issue or a video issue of some sort with your game Agreed. board. So, um, but I think where we're starting here is really with those sync wires and making sure that they're connected properly and then seeing if we can find a VGA monitor that we can hook up to that VGA output to see what we get and see if we can determine whether or not we're having a board or a monitor issue. Tim, do you have anything else here to add for German before we move on? No, that's a great point and um, it's always nice. I love the, the newer style games. Now looking at the picture, it almost looks like it could be a flat screen which looks like a newer style monitor. So hopefully you could just hook up that VGA and see how it works after that, or maybe it is hooked up. A couple questions that we would still ask, but by all means, I think that that gives them some good places to start, but he can come back and ask more questions if need be. And we should also say that Silent Scope is a, a gun game, but it uses poten a potentiometer base gun. Right. And so you can put an LCD in there. You don't have to worry about an optical sensor like you would with the game like Area 51 or Lethal Enforcers. Uh, so that is something that is beneficial. If you just wanted to go to an LCD monitor in there, uh, you could. There's, there's nothing that would stop you from doing that. So... Uh, 
Hopefully that answers your question, Jermon, and uh, good luck getting that sound scope up and running. Please let us know if you need additional help. Tim, I think he said he was from Singapore. Oh, nice. so if I remember correctly, I, I'll have to double check that. That may not be correct, but be uh, pretty if, light there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, if you need additional help, please let us know. You can <clears throat> write us back and uh, we'll try to help you out further. So, okay, Tim, let's go ahead and check over with the live chat real quick. We've got um, YouTube Punk is here, says howdy, and he says, What's a checkbook? <laughs> and that's exactly right. right. I mean, how often do you write checks? There's about, um, you know, I write checks for donations typically, so if I make donations to organizations a lot of times. I will do a check. Sometimes I'll donate online for those, just depending. But it really depends. Um, I was about to say, checkbook-wise, though, I mean, there's not a lot of times I use a checkbook anymore. I think everything's pretty much gone. It's twice a month, maybe. Yeah. Um, Get that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, our yard guys still want to check. I don't think they take any kind of digital payment yet. Mm, the guys who do landscaping, I, I was that's about to say. That's who I do mine. Um, and then um, I was trying to think, um, you know, there's a couple other things where checkbooks are still around. But for the most part, I think they phased mm -hmm. out for sure. Uh, let's see. Nate says, hi guys. Happy New Year's. Question. What is the best way to get rid of mold in a cabinet or at least treat it? So, man, there's not a lot of good ways to get rid of mold. I mean, the bleach is like the best killer of it. Yeah, you got to use something bleach based. Exactly. But exactly. It's got to be bleach based in order to get rid of it. But the problem with bleach based stuff is it's pretty harsh and, and can't, if it's painted, obviously it's going to, it could damage the paint. That's pretty common. And so, I mean, when it comes to mold, bleach is the only thing that I've found that'll kill it. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to go that route, though, you probably want to bleach it and then sand and repaint. Exactly. Something to that, to that effect. So, bleach everything, and then you'll probably want to redo that cabinet altogether. Because, uh, and I would suggest sealing, like doing a primer on it. Mm -hmm. And the primer to seal, basically anything that's left over from the mold after you uh, after you bleach it real good. And then paint it whatever you want. And then if you want to do artwork, do the artwork after that. So, because, right. yeah, I mean, that's the only good thing i've found to kill mold is right. there anything e else even if it's inside the game and not necessarily outside it's okay to go ahead and clean it good with bleach and paint it exactly I mean, yeah primer the inside or whatever or paint the inside <coughs> it'll definitely keep it from spreading exactly. or for causing you some kind of health issues or something down the road exactly so i mean that that's pretty much all you can do you don't really have a lot of options unfortunately and if the if the cabinet is already starting to crumble a little bit you need to be really careful of course because it'll it's probably it may just be Better to throw it away at that point. It's kind of still in good shape, though. Bleach, paint, and you should be good. So Yeah. Most products that are used to clean, like showers or something, you don't have to use straight bleach as long as it's something that has some bleach content in it. He says it's a nice-looking can on the outside, not so much on the inside. Uh, she's smelly. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's smelly, yeah, um, like I said, bleach, paint, I think I owned that cabinet before. Yeah, I was about to say, I've had some like that, right? <laughs> a few. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's see. Nate says, I wonder if there's a list of X and Y gun games. I love CRTs, but uh, having a gun game that doesn't need a CRT is sometimes nice for operators. Uh, we can name a few for you. Operation Wolf, obviously, falls into that category. Revolution X, Tim. Um, yeah. What else do we got? Terminator. There? Terminator those... 2 uh, would definitely fall into that category. Um, uh, what else? There's a handful of them. You well, like Let's Go Jungle. Let's Go Jungle, that. yeah, exactly. Um, which, like Jurassic Park, if you're looking at yeah, newer Jurassic games, Park, like sure. those Raw Thrills games, those those use potentiometer base. So, I mean, it just... Uh, anything that has a anything that has a gun that's physically mounted that can't move from its base, pretty good pretty good shot, uh, pretty good um, indicator that it's probably potentiometer base. If it's something where it's a gun where you can wave it around, it's not attached to the cabinet except by maybe a cord or a wire, then that's probably an optical gun. So, <coughs> it just depends. Like I Yeah, said. that's probably a good way to determine. Yeah, so anything that's physically mounted, if a gun is physically mounted to the cabinet in some way to where you can't take it, you can't remove it from the cabinet, you can't pick it up, then more than likely it uses potentiometers for that. So, uh, let's see. 
uh, uh, YouTube Bunk says, I might write a couple of checks a year. Okay. So there you go. Um, like I said, probably two checks a month for us. To make, so what's that, 24 a year? I mean, it's not many, right? Yeah. A, so, a um, box of 200 in the last this Yeah, um, YouTube Punk says kilts. Yeah, yeah, kilts is great. So yeah, you can use that. Um, let's see. Uh, Rob says, I have a red tin. It periodically freezes and resets. I have replaced the batteries on the board and the power supply is putting out the correct voltage. Sometimes it's uh, 10 to 15 uh, minutes and sometimes it's an hour. So, um, on resetting issues, I mean, typically it would be power supply, but with that said, it's definitely, it can be a board issue as well. And we've seen this to where loose connections can cause that as well. So make sure that all your connections to the board are, are really well connected. Um, you may need to clean the edge. If it's a, if it's an antenna, if the red tent has an edge connector instead of the actual individual connectors, you may need to clean that edge connector real good and make sure that those pins are in really good shape because it doesn't take much. If one of those voltage pins it, it is starting to break loose a little bit, it doesn't take much for it to reset the game, <coughs> if that makes sense, right, yeah. Tim? Or they oxidize and stuff over time, too, so a good t chance to clean them and your edge of your board. Right, now, but it is possible, too, that you're just, um, that you're having just a problem somewhere with the board. And, like, if it's resetting after so much time, I mean, it could be a heating issue. Check, check your power supply voltage at, right after it resets. That's a good and idea. And see if it dropped down for any reason. At some point, in under a load, it may do that. And check it on the board at a chip. Yeah. Uh, and that'll tell you for sure that, that those chips are getting the right voltage. You may need to turn it up a little bit depending on how much voltage you're getting at the board. So um, if you measure if you measure it at the board on a chip, typically that gives you the best reading that you can get for the board. And so um, that may be the place to do it. And like Tim mentioned, try checking it right after the reset happens to see if you've had a voltage drop of any kind. But also make sure that all your connections are good and make sure that you're not having like lifted pins or oxidized connectors or mm -hmm. things like that. Or lifted pins, oxidized, or yeah. Oxidized pins, lifted connectors, stuff like that. I mean, all that kind of stuff can cause issues. So, um, you know, just just double check all that stuff and uh, see what's going on. Because a lot of times, it, um, resets can be caused by power issues, um, shorts, obviously, and it can be bored. So, like, mm -hmm. the processor could be having issues. It could be a, a RAM chip that just has, like, it's not holding something, so it's junk. And so when the CPU goes to access the address, it just crashes it could be something like that but a lot of times if that's the case it'll it won't necessarily reboot it would probably just die so i mean you know like i said check the voltage at the board especially after the reset let us know what you find there and then check your connections all of them especially on the edge connectors uh if you have that going on make sure all that is connected properly so uh let's see youtube punk do you have a um ftir device maybe some component is getting too off yeah if you have something that can detect uh heat on your um, board that would highly be recommended uh, me and tim have talked about this before if um if you take a like a like a an infrared camera and you hover it over a board and you see hot areas that could be indicators that there's problems in that area of the board so if you have one of those it's not a bad idea to use that either let's see okay and he says i'll give a shot i'll clean the edge connector and recheck voltages and again check the voltages right after the re reset and see what it is at that point on the board if possible and like i said you may even need to turn it up just a hair just to make sure but again could be a board issue could be memory could be cpu could be a lot of things so um, mm -hmm. let's start with the easy stuff first and then start suspecting the board <coughs> kind of rolled out everything else right tim yep sounds good nintendo's are a little bit trickier than most games yeah, yeah. so uh danny hey guys happy new year hopefully you guys are doing well glad to be here tonight it's been a while glad to have you here danny mm -hmm. glad to have everybody here tonight so glad that we're on at on the first Thursday night of the month. Did I yeah. mention that? First Thursday night of the month. I feel like it feels like it's been forever. So there you go. Uh, Nights of the Old. 
Question, after I moved sound on my Stargate doesn't work, I took a look at the connection seemed fine, what to check next? So um, if you, so the sound stopped working, it sounds like, when you moved it. Is that mm-hmm. correct? So the sound on Stargate doesn't work. I, we assume that you, it was working before you moved it. So a lot of times that is a connection issue of some sort. And so um, there is a way to test that soundboard on the Williams games, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there's a way to do the, do the sound check. Yeah, there is no a connector that runs from the soundboard to the main board, and so obviously you need to make sure that that's okay. And uh, anytime you move, man, those connect. Loose pins, connectors, and all sorts of stuff can wreak havoc on stuff. Havoc on stuff. <coughs> so, I mean, checking, especially between the soundboard and the mainboard, is going to be key. And there. where it connects to your speaker also. Just right, to make exactly. sure it didn't just come barely loose or wiggle off or something like that. Yeah, exactly, because that can happen as well. Check the voltage on the soundboard. Make sure that you're getting voltage there because, I mean, it's very possible that, again, we've we've lost the connection for some reason. And so, you know, make sure that everything is lit up properly. Of course, um. Stargate should give you error codes, right? Mm-hmm. Always forget. We have a, we have a nice um, post on our website that is is about troubleshooting Williams games with King Graham. If you remember him, and he gave us like a little cheat sheet on what to check for things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend you uh, check out that po- all of the posts on our website that have to do with Williams games and King Graham, uh, because. Like I said, he gives this worksheet of stuff one time to check, which is very helpful. And shows, like, it's got the schematics in it for Williams games and all that kind of stuff. Very helpful. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Tim, I miss Ken a lot. Ken was such a great guy mm-hmm. and uh, taught us so much about working on Williams games. Of course, Ken used, worked for Williams back in the day, so knew a lot about him. And uh, we've tried to capture some of the resources he shared with us on the website. So uh, make sure you check our um, the Williams programmer post on our website with Ken Graham. One of those does have a document that will help you with Williams games troubleshooting, so we would recommend that. So, let's see. J.H., how do I fix the convergence on a Donkey Kong Jr. cocktail? Thank you. So, um, most most games do have, um, like, convergence or purity rings on the back. Most monitors do that you can adjust, which we've talked about that. If you don't have that, because some monitors don't, you may have to physically move the yoke or shim the yoke in order to get the convergence to work. And, um, Tim, we have a document on our website by Ingvar Carlson about setting mm-hmm. up a CRT monitor that goes into great depth on how to do the yoke adjustments on monitors. And so you may, it may be either a matter of taking the shims out or putting more shims in in order to get the yoke position properly to where it displays on the, on the tube properly. Okay. So it's a trial and error process and it's not fun, but, um, a lot of times what will happen in moving a game is that the yoke will, will shift. And so you, a lot of times it doesn't shift a whole lot, but it'll shift a little bit. And when that happens, you will lose convergence a little bit. And so sometimes you can adjust it by just doing the convergence or the purity ring. Sometimes that's enough. But sometimes you have to actually physically move the yoke in order to get it to converge properly. And so um, we would recommend checking out the convergence, adjusting the convergence rings um, post and video that we have. But if you don't have convergence rings or purity rings and you don't, you're still not getting it converged the way that you want it to, check out that post by Ingvar Carlson on setting up a CRT, that whole guide that he has. And he has a whole section in there on dealing with the yoke. And so that's what you want to look at. Mm-hmm. Have at it. And like I said, it can be a trial and error process a lot. Um, it may take some time, but you can get it. It is possible. But we've had to physically adjust yokes before. Uh, like I said, you may have to shim. You may have to take out some of the shims. If there's shims there, you may have to put some in, just depending on, uh, just depending on how <coughs> you can get it converged with the with the tube. So, is that good? I think so. Cool. Okay. Well, let us move on to our next post here, or next question, I should say, from Nat Tim. So here we go. 
Hello, I was hoping you'd be able to take a quick look at a monitor issue I've been having with my Contra cabinet. A minute or two after powering on, the screen so slowly fades out to blue and then is able to play blind. Have you come across this? Any idea as to what uh, what is going on would be much appreci appreciated. Board, monitor, chassis, etc. are all original. Thanks a lot. Nat from Shadyside, Maryland. Right, Maryland? Mm-hmm. MD, I'm pretty sure. So, um, Unless he's a doctor. <laughs> maybe. So, um, but there we go. Well, Shadyside. Yeah. MD. So, Mary. <laughs> but anyway, so, Tim, you can see he sent a picture of the blue. <coughs> yeah, and he showed us really that it was blue. playing blind. He actually sent a video, Tim. And in the, I just took a screenshot from the video um, because the video really only showed us that it was playing blind. He showed us this blue screen and that it's playing blind. And so that's what we have from Nat here. We basically have a contra. And he says after a minute or two. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like, and it works fine. And right. then it changes to this. Exactly. So it goes from working fine and all of a sudden we get just a blue screen after about a minute or two. So what do you think is going on with Nat's contra game? here that we're moving or shifting kind of to this blue after uh, about a minute or two yeah that's a, that's an interesting question because um, most of the time uh, anytime you're getting monitor changes it's going in and out a lot of times those are the simpler fix like the cold solder joints and stuff as they heat up they're hitting that crack or whatever and then it's you're losing it that's where I would start with this one I would definitely start uh, touching, touching up. up all the cold solder joints on it after that, it may just be a cap or something that's bad, and it, it kind of starts off good, but it quickly loses its uh, voltage and stuff. So a good time to do a cap kit on it and things like that. Gotcha. Uh, <clears throat> anything else before I put this slide? No, go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead and do that then. So easy enough. So let's start off by... Uh, the repair by checking the input connection from the game board to the chassis. Make sure all the pins are connected properly on both sides. Jam a harness and chassis. Try touching up cold uh, the solder joints on the input pins as well as any cold, cracked, and or broken solder joints. Um, and it could be a color drive problem, Tim. Like the blue is right, failing. exactly. And Paul actually said the same thing. Drive transistor on the blue is failing, and that's yeah. what we're mentioning here. So it could be that one of your color drives, specifically the blue, is failing. And so what it's doing is it's just letting all the blue through, right? right? Exactly. So we go from we go from oh, okay, we got a black screen, it looks pretty good, and then all of a sudden it starts to push that blue through, and boom, we get blue screen. So absolutely could be a drive transistor problem here. So uh, we would also recommend checking the power supply when the screen goes blue. If the mm. voltage is out of range, try addressing it back into range. It could be a voltage drop that's causing the video from the game board to drop out, something like that. Um, and Paul also says mod model chassis would help. Absolutely. And we don't know that. He did not give us <coughs> that information. So, Nat, if you will um, look at the back of your cabinet and your modern chassis and just take a picture of it and send it to us, we could probably identify what you have back there and give you better advice on what to go, what to repair from there. Because knowing the chassis model really does give us a lot more, um, a lot more, or a lot better idea of how to do the repair. So for sure, but it could definitely be the color drive transistor, like Paul said, like we mentioned here, but it could also be an input connection. It could be, um, it could be a voltage drop. We could, yeah, we like, um, we could get an out of range. So like once the um, voltage drops, it could be that the video is dropping out, but the game is still playing. Mm -hmm. That's very possible. So I can't drive the video anymore, but we can drive the rest of the game, whatever, whatever. So, I mean, um, but any of those could be it. But if you need additional further help with this, please send us a picture of your chassis, of your monitor chassis in the back of your game, and we can help you out further and let you know exactly where you need to look in order to solve the problem. I Ten. think that um, we had a game do that one time. I think it was red. Um, the color, I think it was an old Mortal Kombat 1, or maybe it was even a Joust. I can't remember. I can remember looking in the chassis back there, because it would do that. It would just, it looked fine, and then it would just go to the one color. And Paul was right that it was, that one was the transistor on the neck board, 
uh, that that was basically failing and and letting every letting too much red or whatever. I'm pretty sure it was red. So um, that that probably after, especially after he's saying that, it's really making me remember. Um, that's probably where I would start first. It, other than just checking your general connections and stuff. Right. And it could just be a cracked or cold or broken solder joint somewhere too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, I mean, so always a good thing to check those as well. But uh, hopefully that gives you at least some idea of where to start. And if you do need additional mm -hmm. help, like we mentioned, send us a picture of that monitor chassis and we'll, we'll try to help you out further on that issue. So uh, let's see. Um, YouTube Punk says blue screen of death. But yeah, mm -hmm. very absolutely. Could be a blue screen of death for sure. Uh, CRT shorting is what uh, Paul also said. And that's very possible as well. We could have a short somewhere, um, mm -hmm. like we mentioned. Guys, I, we can't say this enough. Um, Michael would always just, when he took a chassis out of a game, very first thing he would do would be touch up solder on everything. And oh, then he'd plug it back in to see if it worked. Because you mm. that fixes a huge amount of problems sometimes. Stuff like this, where it's just like a little, it could be a little short somewhere. You just hit that real quick. I had a G07 one time that wasn't working and it turned out to be a cold solder joint, a high voltage line. I mean, you know, stuff like that yeah. happens all the time. So um, touching up cracked, cold or broken solder joints is always welcome. And you know, our thing is like if we're gonna have the monitor out anyway, let's just put a cap kit on it while we got it out. Because I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take all the time to take it out of the out of the cabinet anyway, I might as well just put the the cap kit on there if it hasn't had one in a while. So not that the cap kit necessarily will fix the get issue. Cap kits do solve issues, but if if those caps caps are old, it's probably a good <clears throat> idea just to replace them anyway, right? Tim? Yeah, I'm wondering how many games we probably did a cap kit on that probably just had a bad solder joint. Absolutely, but it still fixed it. Exactly. <laughs> so it may not have been the cap kit, may have been a colder cracked or broken solder joint that we just happened to touch up but it does uh like i said i mean if the caps are more than you know five or ten years old it's a good idea just to replace them anyway so a good picture though he's sitting in yeah absolutely so a rector show with my sanyo and my dk cocktail i had to use a jumper on the chassis to move the image slightly to get it centered but that was with the 61 yeah so the sanyo has jumpers for horizontal centering some um have a horizontal centering pot that you can adjust and then other ones have um have uh sometimes you have to adjust a horizontal width coil right Tim? Mm -hmm. like to get the width out um so it just depends on the monitor there's a lot of different you know a lot of different ways to kind of get that centering kind of you know dialed in just right depending on what you got so let's see make sure we're all caught up here tim oh jh on an asteroids a dot appears in the middle of the screen sometimes is that spot killer or how can i remedy this i believe that is spot killer yep. right tim so That's what we call it yeah exactly there's a great document on black and white vector monitor troubleshooting and I wish I had the link to it right now, but you can find it. Um, and we have linked to it in our previous live shows. But I would highly recommend you check that out. It does go over the Electro Home and the Wells Garner versions of those. And has some great troubleshooting techniques <coughs> on those particular games. And so um, if you've got a black and white vector, highly recommend looking at the black and white vector troubleshooting guide. And if you do, if you search for that on the internet, you will find it. I think the Asteroids I used to play on all the time in the arcade had one. And I just thought it was part of the game. Or yeah. You know, it's like... I didn't know it could be fixed. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, but that sounds like you're starting to experience a little bit of spot color there for sure. Uh, Paul, color circuit is the easiest to troubleshoot because uh, you have two other color circuits you can compare it to. That's right. So you can take parts out of one circuit and put it in the other circuit and see if it works. Yeah. Super easy. So, Switch or meter. Transistors. Do it with your meter. Mm -hmm. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, that, mm -hmm. that one tests good. That one tests bad. That one tests good. Oh, that one's bad. You know, I yep. mean, super easy. So, okay, I think we're caught up, Tim. So let us go to our next question, and this one is from Emil. Emil. Okay. And he says, Hi, I have a Golden T4 Complete Arcade Redboard. 
with what seems to be a CRT monitor issue. There's a buzzing noise coming from the unit, not sure the location. When there's a buzzing noise, the monitor shows a double image and there is also a curved line running from the left side of the monitor, uh, running from the top of the screen to the bottom. It looks like the image is being pushed to the right. When it stops buzzing, the monitor returns back to normal. Everything looks good. The video <coughs> plays through and there's no freezing. Let me know what you yeah. think. Thanks. So Tim, we have a meal here, and he's got um, this golden T4 complete with the red board, and it sounds like um, every so often it'll make this buzzing noise, and mm. the monitor shows a double image. Okay. So okay, mm. with a curved line running on the left side of the monitor, uh, running from the top of the screen to the bottom, looks like the image is being pushed to the right almost. So maybe I think he may be um, describing a roll here, Tim. Yeah. Maybe almost. a little bit of a roll with Starting a double screen. To. Right. Exactly. And the monitor returns back to a normal image. Everything looks good. So Tim. Um, with this Golden T4, what do you think is going on here with Emil's game? <coughs> well, <coughs> sorry. It sounds like there's probably a short somewhere in there because, <coughs> sorry, you guys, the connection to your monitor and the monitor chest is itself. So something's going on there that's causing that buzzing noise. The buzzing, and Paul can jump in here, is the key because it, it only happens at that time. Right. So... You can start by removing the chassis and check for cold, broken solder joints that we talked about earlier. And make sure that it's a sink wire and everything. But check your ground wires, too. Make sure everything is good and grounded and nothing is shorting. Um, but th that buzzing noise, to me, is what's in indicating that something is going out. Right, and exactly. And it, it sounds like a short somewhere. Yeah. It really does. Because the fact that we don't get it all the time would, would seem to indicate a short somewhere. And so, Tim, what I kind of uh, recommended here, what I put on the slide, I think would be helpful. Let's go ahead and look at that. Uh, sound like there may be a short somewhere, either in the connection to your monitor chassis or on the monitor chassis itself. You might try gently moving the input wires and or tapping the chassis with the end of a screwdriver, like the handle end, yeah. when it's buzzing to see if it corrects the issue. Okay, so just kind of tap it with that with the handle end to see, okay, like, okay, does this fix it? Okay, if it does, then you do definitely have a short. <laughs> I will say that, okay? Mm -hmm. If you, when you tap it, it makes a difference in the connection or it makes a difference in the screen. It goes from buzzing to not buzzing. We got a short somewhere that we probably need to check out. And so use the handle end because that end is usually made out of rubber and is non-conductive. <laughs> right? right so be careful about that um but at least that'll help us identify what we may have going on uh you can start off by removing the monitor chassis and like we talked about earlier just touching up the cracked cold or broken solder joints especially on the sink line because we're obviously having some maybe out of sync issues here make sure the sink wire is making a good connection between the game board and the chassis touch up the solder on any hold and sink pots like the actual pots themselves they use for adjustment this could cause the issue as well tim we've seen this before where the hold pot will have a broken like a cold solder joint on one of the legs and then what happens is that as it makes connection with the board, like you'll get this buzzing, right? Because it's like basically <coughs> that pot value now goes to zero and then it goes to whatever whatever the pot's rating and zero mm -hmm. and back and forth. And so we get this buzzing. So it could be on a pot itself that we're having the issue. But there definitely seems like a short. The fact that it doesn't happen all the time and it only happens sporadically would seem to indicate as such. Again, tap it with the end of your screwdriver. See if you can kind of uh, see if you can find maybe a source for where that buzzing is coming from. You said you couldn't, you didn't narrow it down. Let's take that cabinet uh, apart. Let's open the back of it and see if we can pinpoint the buzzing. That may help us as well. Tim, anything else here for Emil before we move on? Yeah, I can kind of remember the watching an RK guy repair wearing the stethoscope before. I was like, where's this sound coming from? You know, uh, because, you know, that's a good indicator of where your issue is. Absolutely. So uh, hopefully, though, if you can find it, it a, lot of, a lot of times if we're having a connection issue like this, it could be, like we said, in the sink or the hold or something like that. kind of sounds like a hold issue 
just because of the way he describes it. You know, like mm-hmm. when it goes to buzzing, it kind of sounds like it's going out of hold and then back into hold. And so that's why I mentioned the pots is because we could have a broken a broken mm-hmm. solder joint or a broken leg on a pot that's just barely making connections sometimes. So, um, but start there. Um, if you know the modern chassis model, like we mentioned before, always a good thing to, to give us. So, uh, or send us a picture of your chassis. We can probably tell you what it is and uh, we can help you out further. But uh, start, start there. Check some sync wires, check for some shorts. Tap on a little bit with the, the handle of your screwdriver and see if you can maybe pinpoint in a location where there might be issues and then go from there, see if we can touch up some solder in those areas and let us know what you find. So, Good. okay, let's go over here. You okay, Tim, Nate says. Sounds like you need to drink some water to clear <laughs> yeah, your throat. He has water right here. <clears throat> I do. Yeah. I, t- I mentioned it at the beginning. I am having, I'm very hoarse today. And, and I, I, I can't hit the cough button fast enough to catch them. So, yeah. um, sorry. So, uh, so I, I don't know if I'll be able to edit it out after the fact. I don't oh, know. that's all right. But <laughs> it is what it is. So hopefully you're okay. Just something yeah, little. I'm fine. But uh, I, to be honest with you, I've been fighting something similar I to yelled, Tim, and I'm just now getting over it. I yelled so. over the at the Mavericks game too loud. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that'll do it. If I go to a sporting event, I'm going to be hoarse the next day for sure. I'm a yeller, guys. So uh, let's see, Danny. How often do you recommend turning your arcades, even when you're not playing? Turning on your arcades, even when you're not playing them, would it be good? And would it be good for them to do that? It's up to you. Um, I think you can leave them off all the time. But that's fine. Um, if you want to turn them on, that's fine too. I don't think there's any right time to do either. So we usually, we usually say at least once a month. I yeah. wouldn't go months and months without it um, because they're meant to be played and yeah. stuff. And um, but you're, it's still a pot shoot no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, turning them on just to check them every so often is never a bad idea, though. So, yeah. I mean, that's something to do. Um, even if you're not turning them on, though, if they've got batteries on the board, make sure you're either taking those batteries out or replacing them as needed. If they've got, um, you know, any kind of maintenance things that you need to do, make sure you do that stuff, of course. So, um, you know, I was thinking batteries, Tim, like with Williams games, you mm-hmm. know, like make sure that you're replacing those or that you put in like one of the um, high score save chips to where, you know, the flash chips to where you don't need the the batteries anymore. That'd be really great. But, um, you know, pinball machines are also susceptible to like battery leakage and stuff like that. So make sure you're taking either, you know, remove the batteries completely or make sure you're changing them out periodically just like you change out your smoke alarms yeah you know, like uh daylight savings time or daylight saving time usually february and october or something like that we always kind of looked at our batteries when it worked exactly like yeah just make sure that uh your place does as needed the worst thing that can happen to a board is battery leakage it's awful and tim i've gone to buying brands that don't leak or that advertise that they don't yeah. leak so i try to buy double a batteries that say like leak proof like on Amazon. So I buy uh-huh. some off-brand stuff that actually has pretty good battery life, um, but they literally say leak-proof. Don't buy Duracell. Mm-hmm. Calling them out, Tim. Uh-oh. No Duracells. Mm-hmm. No Duracells. I used to be a big Duracell believer, Tim. Really? No, but they leak. they leak. Have you not seen it? Yeah. Tell me you guys have not seen... Worse than Energizer. Mm-hmm. Like Duracells leak worse than Energizer. So Get you Energizers your, if, you have, if you're looking at What's your preferred brand now, then? Um, actually, I think it's Vonco. Okay. Is what I buy now. So I, I have to. I think that's the name of it. So, um, which is just some generic brand on Amazon, Tim. But I tell you what, the battery life in them is good, and they advertise leak proof. Okay. Okay. Look, I'm still not going to leave them in a game for too long. But no. at least if they advertise leak proof, I feel better about it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I will look it up. I'll look it up here, maybe okay. a little bit. If you stay tuned to the after show, I'll look it up in between. So, um, Vonico or something like that, some generic brand. But they work pretty well and have any issues. Um, I I used to be a big believer in Duracells, Tim. I used yeah. to, used to, but no, Energizer, guys, Energizer. Okay. If you're buying majors, let's go Energizer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's see, Joe says, good excuse to play. Uh, baby, I got to go uh, warm my games up. Yep. There you go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Knights uh, Vault says batteries leak like crazy here in Seattle. Yeah, and it depends on your um, where you live and the conditions that you live in. That's a big part of why batteries link, you, mm-hmm. leak, you know. So, But I will say that Duracells seem to be worse. I don't know why. Hmm. I, like I said, he used to be a big big believer. So, yeah, moisture yeah, moisture has a lot to do with it. So if you live in a humid environment like we do, it seems so. to happen more often here, for sure. So, Okay, Tim, let us go to Nathan. Okay. Okay, Nathan's question is, I have a Donkey Kong Jr., um, two. I it's T W O. Okay. I think that's my misspelling. Too. Okay. Or um, yeah, Donkey Kong Junior. Two board. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he just put it in there. I usually just copy and paste them. So anyway, um, I just got power seems to be correct to the board. When you turn the game on, you hear the jump sound, and then basically nothing else after that. The monitor just shows green. Uh, no coin up noise. It's not playing blind. Any help would be appreciate it so we got a donkey kong jr board that he just got okay so tim he probably has a donkey kong jr cabinet i would assume that maybe it has a working board in it now okay so that's how he knows okay i got this other board and now i'm not getting nothing on it so obviously tim this is not playing blind right right so um probably more of a game board issue that's what i would lean either that or just by switching the boards out those connectors can be really um they can be really picky and stuff so or you just get a pin off or something. Make sure, especially those um, rainbow-type connectors are really good in, in seated in there. And, it, of course, if you got the working board, you know it's in the board. But um, that's, that's definitely, you know, it's not playing blind, so it's probably not a monitor issue. Absolutely. So, Tim, <clears throat> I did a little bit of um, research. Okay. You know, and I, I this is some of the stuff we already knew about Donkey Kong boards, but I did throw this up here because um, it does seem like when we get this kind of like where we get this startup sound, we don't get anything else. Probably either a voltage or a RAM issue. Okay. And so that's kind of what we've got here. So it does sound like an issue with your Donkey Kong Junior game board. This one in particular. So first off, let's use a multimeter to check the voltages on the video board, okay, which is the one that's on the back. Uh, make sure that the rainbow connector, and I said rainbow in quotes just because it looks rainbow, mm-hmm. is hooked up and that you're if you're using the edge connector to connect the game board to the cabinet. If you're using the multiple connectors, you don't have to worry about that because one of those multiple connectors will be the voltage. But if you're using the edge connector, you need a you need that rainbow connector to act as a jumper to the video board. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, so make sure that that connection is made all the way around. And you'll know if it's not because if you check voltage on the video board and it, you ain't getting no voltage there, then you definitely have an issue getting with that rainbow connector more likely. Either it's missing or it's not making a good connection or there's some issues there, so make sure you check that. Be sure to also check the 50-pin connector in that area as well. That's the little um, ribbon cable, Tim. Uh-huh. And ribbon cables are a known source of issues for sure. So um, always make sure you check the ribbon cables between boards. Very important. And Tim, I actually um, highlighted it in red up at the top there so you can see. Um, the board not booting like this can also be caused by RAM issues. So check the uh, 2114 RAM chips on the CPU board at locations 4A, B, and C and replace as needed. So Tim, I, um, I took a, a screenshot of the board and just highlighted those four right there. So nice. um, the nice thing about um, Donkey Kong boards is like a lot of older arcade boards, they have the rows and columns labeled. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to find, you know, A, B, C, D, E, one, two, three, four across the top and the side. So uh, very easy to find these chips and you might just want to replace them uh, if if they don't check out. Um, those are standard RAM chips, so you can check the voltage on them, make sure they're good there. And you can actually check to see if there's a grounded pin or something like that as well. If you um, if you know the um, pinouts on those or you can check the TTNL for that as well. So I can't remember what it is offhand. I, pre- I should probably know that. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so yeah. And of course, we have a great post on inspecting an arcade board that you may want to look at as well. 
So, because that's got some great uh, some great information on it too. So those would be the places to start. Let's start at that rainbow connector. Let's start at that 50 pin, um, the 50 pin ribbon cable. And then let's check the uh, 2114 RAM chips to make sure in the positions A, B, and C, 4A, 4B, 4C, and make sure that those are working properly. Replace if needed. So there you go. Anything else, Tim? No. Good job, Johnson. There you go. A lot of good info. There you go. So that gives you a good place to start. Not necessarily going to solve your issue, but I think uh, hopefully between that, we'll at least have a better idea of exactly where the problem is. Tim, it could be the CPU. It's possible that it's failed. That seems more rare, I think. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's possible. So you may want to, you could always replace that as well to see. Um, since you have a working Donkey Kong board, you could just move the CPU over from that if mm -hmm. you're adventurous. So, <laughs> but, um, but, or you could do the same with the RAM chips. So I don't know. I can't remember if those are socketed or if those are if those are soldered. If they're soldered, it's it, you might as well just buy new ones. If they're socketed, though, it may be worth swapping Switching. them from the working board. So, uh, anything else for Nathan here before we move on? No, I don't think so. Sounds good. So Nathan, hopefully, answers your question, and good luck getting that Donkey Kong Junior board up and running. And Tim, I think we have one more um, one more question before we get to the quick questions and answers. But I'm okay. gonna look over here at the live chat real quick. Uh, let's see, um, Knights of Old, what's your go-to cleaning supply for, um, leaked batteries? So, um, for leaked batteries, man, vinegar and al alcohol, I guess, are like the two big ones that I go with, mm -hmm. you know, as far as cleaning that stuff out of there. So alcohol and vinegar are like it, um, more often than not alcohol, but man, if the, um, if the acid has started to eat away at the board, that sucks. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of times that means you're going to have to rebuild traces and stuff. So... Um, yeah, you get, if the acid isn't too bad, you should be able to, to clean it up with some alcohol vinegar and some other things. Um, but if it's bad, if it's starting to damage the board, man, like I said, that's where it starts getting real tricky. So, um, you know, you just have to do some, you have to basically rebuild all of the, all of the traces and things like that. And it can be, man, it can be a headache. So it is what it is. But, um, yeah, alcohol is probably my first number one. I'll do vinegar sometimes depending. Yeah. So rubbing alcohol. yeah, exactly. So I have distilled white vinegar down here, Tim. Mm -hmm. So uh, something like that, but alcohol is probably my first go-to. Uh, you used to have some CPU cleaner stuff that, um, that you <coughs> yeah, used you to can buy about. it in a can. Um, I, I'm was off... it the de It was a deoxid, was it? Yeah, it's something. Kinda, I can't remember. It had like a brush on the end, and as you squirt it, you kind of used the brush to clean it. I'm sure that just a any kind of electronics Radio Shack carried it back in the day, but I, of course I don't even know if you can buy it online there anymore, but. Um, some kind of electronics cleaner like that. Best Buy probably has some stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, somebody said deoxid. I think it was deoxid. Um, let me look real quick. <clears throat> We're actually going to Google something live on the air because this makes <laughs> a great television right here, right? Sure. Exactly. I'm going to have Tim sing the National Anthem while he's doing that because that's royalty free. So, <laughs> so there we go. Happy birthday, um, right? Yeah, uh, let's see. Or happy birthday. That's exactly right. Um, deoxid is, I think it is one that you can use for that. Um yeah, like it, contact treatment enhancer protector, it says. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. You're talking about more of like a... Um, it's like uh, tech spray or something. Yeah, tech spray or something. I know what you're talking about. So it's got a little brush on the end. A little mm. bit different. But yeah, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, you know, you could use, but, um, <clears throat> but you know, you, you want to be careful, obviously, especially if it's on a circuit board, so that you're using, you know, something kind of gentle. So yes. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tim, let's go. Oh, um, hang on. You, uh, Razor Show says, Bray's website has great info with Donkey Kong board issues. Yes, it does. So that's another place to go. Of course, uh, we talked about last month that Bray's um, is no longer selling the multi-game boards or products, yes. which is kind of mm. sad, but they still have great information on their website if you guys want to check it out. So, Okay, Tim, let's go to this last like big question here from James. And Tim, I, I, now James 
if you're watching this, James, you wrote us like an entire thesis on on leaf switches, which I appreciate. Okay. I only took the, the highlights of okay. what we needed really to answer the question. So we did read the whole thing. Okay. Uh-huh. I did read the whole thing. Um, Tim, he went through a lot of tweaking. He's trying to get his Miss Pac-Man joystick to feel like the arcade style. Okay. And so that's really what the the ju- the really what the gist of the question was. But let's go ahead and just read kind of the summarized version of that that I threw up here real quick. Okay. I recently purchased my first upright Miss Pac-Man cabinet, and the joystick doesn't feel quite as reliable as the one I've used in the arcades. The problem is I don't know what variables to focus on within the setup since I'm not sure how my hardware compares to what's inside the arcade cabinets. It has a mostly original Pac-Man joystick, though it looks like there are two different pairs of leaf switches. Each pair has a has slightly different contact surfaces. I played hundreds of hours of Miss Pac-Man on a handful of different arcades, and although each joystick feels a little different from one to the next, I found the turning cornering on my setup just isn't nearly as reliable as what I play in the arcades. Do you have any tips on fine-tuning the calibration of a leaf switch joystick as in OEM measurements? Now, Tim, <clears throat> I will say he does uh, he does mention in the original in the original question that he is using a converter board. So he's, I think the cabinet is wired JAMA. He's got an adapter to maybe a multi-pack board. Okay. Okay. So he's not using original hardware. I got Okay. You. So that is one thing to keep in mind, but that should not deter him. That should not deter the cornering slash turning from being mm-hmm. any different between arcade cabinets, I would think. So what's his best bet to go about making sure that he's got a reliable joystick? Maybe that's a really good way to say it. A reliable leaf joystick. You know, uh, the Rexha show should maybe be a, those really dedicated players, right? They they can tell the difference. Sure. And this guy James seems like that. Like yeah. I mean, and like I said, he wrote an entire like book on all the stuff he had done to try to tweak these leaf switches, which we do appreciate. is amazing. But um, it's like it, he just couldn't get it the way he wanted it to feel, right? And like you said, players can be picky, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as operators, we're not nearly as picky. If it works, <laughs> right. a lot of times we're fine. But um, people who are <clears throat> dedicated to playing games definitely are more picky about their joysticks. So. But I think he's looking for more consistency and reliability. That's right. what he wants. He's like, the turning and the cornering just aren't reliable on his joystick. What are some things he can do to increase that reliability on his turning and cornering? Now, cornering is a concept I am familiar with in Pac-Man Cabinets, Tim. That's where you press the direction you want to go just a hair before you get there, and uh-huh. it lets you go that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's cornering, and we'll see that a lot. Like, real good Pac-Man players use cornering you know, very well in order to make sure that they, they uh, traverse the maze properly. And so cornering can be a big thing to a Pac-Man player. Totally get that. And so right. what are some ways he can make sure his cornering and turning is reliable on his arcade cabinet? Well, from from everything we've researched and our good friend Steve that um, made us go through about eight joysticks, I think, before he was ever happy, <laughs> um, you're going to want a leaf-style joystick. And mm-hmm. so if you don't have that... Well, he definitely has that. Make sure that you don't have an eight-way... Though you want to make sure it's a true four-way, right? So and, and that's a key. Um, so any kind of classic game, you want to make sure you have the four-way. Do not yeah. have the eight-way. What happens in an eight-way, Tim? If I hit a diagonal with a four-way game, well, it doesn't know what to do. It right, does, it may confuse it. Yeah. So we have to make sure that we have a four-way leaf stick in there. It could be that the leaf joystick you have in there now is an eight-way, mm-hmm. and so when you're going to corner, you may be hitting the diagonal, which may be confusing the game. And I'm just going to be honest and tell you a lot of it's trial and error. This is what I would do. I would order me about 10 leaf switches. And different I ones? Would, different ones. And I would just put them on there and start playing with it and see which one I like the best. And then a lot of it, man, we're talking about millimeters of a difference 
even your hole will give up a little bit of slack. So try to tweak each one. Let's say that you don't really like the way it goes left, but you like the way it goes right. Look at the difference. What is it about the right one that feels good that doesn't? And some of it's just really getting in there and, um, you know, a lot, a new one's always going to be a little bit easier to adjust to me. Right. And then you can kind of go from there. Now, and then if you get it, it does gets worse. You, that's why I said I'd buy about 10 of them and I just throw it out and start over. Right. Sometimes it's just that difficult to get them just lined up how you like it. Agreed. Uh, so one thing to keep in mind though, is if you do buy a new one, a lot of times they come stiff, yes. which means that you have to kind of work at it a little bit before it gets comfortable. I would say. I know we got some players in the chat room. I'd like to hear some of you guys chime in and what do you do? I mean, I, I personally will just bend. I'll make them a little more sensitive or less sensitive, depending on that's just getting them a little closer. Sometimes it takes like two pairs of really thin needle nose or something kind of working against each other, uh, making sure they're good and clean and that they're making good contact. Uh, there's a couple of things that you can try, but I'm telling you, it's just a lot of trial and error and getting it down just like you like it. Um, but it, it definitely makes a difference if you're a really good player, which I am not. Yeah, exactly me either. So a couple of things here. Um, Regzer Show says Mike's Arcade has a leaf joystick that is good. So if you're looking for a replacement, you may order the one from Mike's Arcade. Uh, let's see. Um, Mark says, too bad no one makes a leaf-style joystick for a Pac-Man. They do. So, I mean, you can get them, but he may want to keep the original. Some people like the original. Yeah. Uh, YouTube Bunk says, sounds like he has Pac-Man fever. That's about mm. right. Uh, let's see. Paul says all his Pac-Man machines had the original joystick. And it's a must. You that's see? what, that's what um, I'm telling you. I've seen the replacement ones, and I can't tell the difference, but I can put it in a game, and Steve's that guy, you know, that we could use to test a joystick out. And Steve was like, nope, he'd rather have one beat up one off of eBay, I think, than some brand new one. There's just something about them. They just seem to, they just feel different. I understand, though. I, I am very particular about my joysticks and certain things as well. So I am. I understand. Fighting games, for sure. I'm very particular about my joystick. Uh, let's see. Mark says, it's what makes the game fun to play. That's right. Mm -hmm. So if it's not the right joystick, it can. Rector Show says, cornering or buffering the turns is critical to making the patterns work. You save frames when you buffer the turns. I did not know that. You just taught me something. So I'm not a, I'm not a big, I'm not as much of a player like we yeah. talked about. So It's um, interesting that he says he likes to get his from Max Arcade. If, if he says that he likes those, you would probably like them too. Yes. If you're a real player. Right. Uh, let's see. Um, Danny said, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm trying to just get the ones on this. Uh, I am a mad lad. This is from Nate. And I, I use sandwich joysticks over HAP, but I play more fighting games. I love HAP joysticks for fighting games, but that's because mm -hmm. that's what I grew up on. So it just depends. Um, Roger Show says, I use the Class of 81 joystick replica, which is different from the Pac-Man joystick, but some people like the way that feels over a Leaf. Leaf Switch joysticks can feel mushy, but that is how it was. Exactly. Back in the day, you know, that's how it was. You're exactly right. right. And I've always heard this too, Nate, I agree with this, Zippy joysticks are the absolute worst. I've heard the Zippies are terrible. Yeah. So, um, but as far as Leaf Switch joysticks go, um, yeah, I mean, apparently Mike's Arcade has a good one, but you can always, and that's the thing Tim's saying here, just replace the switches too. Yeah. If you just want to replace the switches, that's an option. So let me go ahead and throw this up here, Tim, since we, I think we've got everything covered in the live chat okay. about it. But first off, let's make sure that your Leaf Switch-based joystick is a four-way joystick. It could be an, an eight-way. Somebody may have put the wrong style in there. If you do that and you hit a direction, it can confuse the game and cause the turning turning slash cornering issues that you are describing. 
So since you have different styles of leaf switches on your joystick, you might try ordering four all new leaf switches to replace them. Uh, this should at least give you better consistency between the switches as there's no telling the age of the ones that are currently installed on your joystick. A new leaf switch joystick is an option as well, like just like we talked about, right, Tim? Right. So those are really your options. Your options are, okay, we can replace the leaf switches we currently have. We need to make sure that we do have a four-way style leaf switch joystick, and we may need to replace the joystick altogether in order to get the feel that we want. For sure. Is that right? That sounds good. Yeah, I mean, so I think we've covered all the bases there by saying that. Um, so those are kind of your options there is let's um, let's replace the Leafs, the Leaf switches on the joystick, see if that works. Maybe we'll order a whole new Leaf switch joystick from like Mike'sArcade.com or somewhere like that. And then just make sure that you do have a four-way style. Sometimes they uh, operators may accidentally replace them with an eight-way style. It may not be accidental. It may be the only thing that was in their toolbox the day they came to <laughs> the day they came to fix it. True that. Uh, and so um, you know it, there may be an eight-way style leaf switch joystick in, in there. If that's the case, you will need to replace it with a four-way to get that kind of consistent consistency that you're looking for. Tim, do you have anything else here for James before we move on? No, I don't think so. I think we hit that one pretty good. <laughs> Sounds good. So James, hopefully answers your question, and good luck finding the right balance in uh, your joystick play, the way that you want it to play. So, Okay, Tim, it's time for the quick question and answers section of the show. Before we do that, I will go back over to the live chat. I did see some stuff over here. Um, let's see. Um, Phaser also said he could look at replacing the centering grommet. It could be that the grommet in the center is not centered properly. That could be causing some leaf switch connection issues or as well. Or just worn. Yeah, it could yeah. be just worn. Uh, so you may need to adjust that as well. Uh, we 34, I'm thinking about buying an Asteroids Deluxe that's playing in the blind, able to rebuild the Blackheart Vector Monitor and make it work. Worried about finding another Vector Monitor. So yeah. um, you can most of the time rebuild them unless it's a tube. <clears throat> so if it's, it's a, yeah, if it's complete, you always have a it. shot. But if the tube is shot, you know, you're kind of out of luck. That's the key. That That's the one thing we don't, uh, that we don't want. In fact, the tube can be replaced. I think it's really the, um, I mean, there's just part, uh, well, I say that. I think, I think as long as the tube is in good shape, you should be okay to rebuild, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And like, and we mentioned earlier about the black and white vector repair guide, troubleshooting guide online. And I wish I had a link to that. That's what you want to look at. Um, and it has both, it has um, information on both the, um, the Geo 8, right? Which is the vector black and white and the, um, and the Wells Garner, is it 6,100? Yeah, 6,000. Yeah, 6,000 series. Both those black and white vector monitors are in there. And so as long as you as long as long you go by the guides, the guides have pretty much all the information you need as far as uh, troubleshooting those black and white monitor stuff. So check those out. And uh, yeah, you should be able to get it working as long as the, the tube is in, as long as the tube itself is in pretty good shape. So uh, let's see. Uh, where's the best place to buy Jamma, Jamma, uh, Jamma Harness? Well, <coughs> I was going to say the same thing, right, Tim? Holland Computers. HollandComputers.com. Uh, yeah. RichardArcade.us. So um, see our video on which jam are looking to buy jam harness. This one is the best. Yep. That is the best. So and there's reasons why, and we give them in the video. So uh, always going to be HollandComputers.com, RichardArcade.us, and check out the video if you want to hear the reasons. We give good reasons, and the main one is they print the freaking pinouts in English on the connector on the <laughs> connector. Right. That will always be the best thing about that hardware. <laughs> Look, there, there's good things about the <coughs> of the wires on there, and it comes with a monitor connector, and it already has the fork terminals on it. There's a lot of other things that are good about that harness, but the best thing is that you don't have a freaking sticker over over the edge connector. It is printed in English on the connector. So, yes. good stuff. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, I think we... Is that everything? Okay. Um, Mark says, I say a four-way leaf style joystick on Mike's Arcade for $16.95. I had no idea. Yeah, they're nice. still there. So you can get one there. 
So that'd be the place to get one if you need one. So um, yeah, Mike's Arcade sells a lot of great stuff. Man, they do. And I guess I guess Mike's Arcade's passed all the stuff that happened with the shop, like all of the yeah, yeah, they seem to be shipping out orders no problem. So good for them. I love Mike's Arcade. Uh, let's see. And Razor Show says, "Yep, you uh, make sure you select the four-way one because he has an eight-way too." Yeah, and you know there were some. There were a lot of games that use the eight-way leaf-style joystick. But if you're th- talking about like classic arcade games, uh, like Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man, obviously. I mean, those are four-way style leaf switches. Make sure you get the right one. Yes. So you know for the mm. game that you have. So very important. Okay. I think we're caught up. Cool. So, quick question and answer time, Tim. Okay. So, uh, if you're new to the show, this is where I fire three questions, rapid fire at Tim, and then he gives me f- three quick answers back. Mm-hmm. Usually, yes. And uh, that way that way we don't have to spend a whole lot of time <clears throat> on them. But we do want to answer these questions because they came in as well. So, a lot of these are a little bit shorter than some of the questions we've already covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll do these rapid fire fashion at Tim. So, Tim, let's go ahead and look at these. All right. Okay, um, we have the first one from Ron. I have a Hotshot 21 Arcade that is not working. The side lights are blinking, but it has a blank TV screen. It's on, but nothing is showing. And Tim, I actually have a um, uh, URL here. I think I forgot to put that down below. Sorry about okay. that. But um, it is a kind of hybrid pinball slash slash TV um, base game. So okay. okay, so it's not working. Side lights are blinking, but nothing on the TV screen. That's what we got with that. So that's from Ron. Uh, Joe says I have a Gorf with a forty six hundred in it. On occasion, I get a vertical stripe through the screen, north to south, and other times it plays fine. I'm thinking something needs to be resoldered, but what? And then we have Oliver who says I'm having a problem where I only get a picture for a few seconds after I turn it on. I don't know how to get to the fuse. I have a vertical classics arcade. If that helps. So we have Ron with a Hotshot 21 that doesn't have a TV screen on. We have Joe with a Gorf Arcade, a K4600 that has a vertical stripe through the screen sometimes. And then we have Oliver with um, a um, picture, comes on for a second when he turns it on and then goes off. And so he's wondering if it's a fuse or something else. So Tim, uh, let's go ahead and take these rapid fire here. Um, So the first one, this Hotshot 21 is, like I said, it's kind of a hybrid um, pinball machine with a screen on it. So obviously he's not getting the, um, the picture on the screen. On, that's in the back glass. So what's going on with this? What can he do in order to make sure that it, that uh, it's it, he can get it working? Well, we're always going to start at power and make sure that the power supply is sending the correct voltage to the game board and the screen. And it could be a board issue if it's got the right voltage. Right. And unfortunately, I don't know much about the game. Uh, like a I said, really pretty rare game and pretty old. Yeah, it? exactly. I don't even think I've ever seen one in person. Mm-hmm. And so really, though, anytime we're having issues where we're just... And it sounds like he's getting like just GI lighting, basically. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you're in GI lighting, you probably have a board issue somewhere. So let's make sure... That, or power supply issue. Let's start at power, make sure we're getting power there, and then go on. Check and maybe troubleshoot the board if needed. Okay, Joe, K4600, vertical stripes sometimes. What can he check, Tim? Well, he's got a cap issue, probably a vertical deflection problem. Um, check his the card, the horizontal vertical card. Um, rebuild the solder. I mean, I think you list some specific caps on it, but you might as well just rebuild the whole thing while you got it out. Yeah, exactly. So the nice thing about the 4600 Tim is it uses the card system. Uh-huh. So if he's having a vertical problem, obviously it's on the, on the horizontal vertical card. <clears throat> Pull it out. So. Let's fix it. And then, um, so... Oliver had this weird one where, like he said, it, it's just like it comes on and it goes off, and he thinks it's a fuse, Tim. So what do yeah. you think's going on with Oliver's? Well, game? it's probably not a fuse. If it was <laughs> a fuse, it would just stop and not work again, right? Until you replaced it. Uh, but it could be a computer inside. Uh, I don't know what's powering uh, this game. It's kind of a generic type game, but it could be a computer inside. It's not booting. Uh, it, it, a lot of it depends what front end is he running and stuff. Maybe he just needs to reload the software, but I'm not really sure 
He needs to send some more picks if possible. Sounds good. Okay, well, let's go ahead and summarize all that stuff real quick. So, Tim, we had Ron here. Ron had the um, Hotshot 21 that we just talked about. So let's always start a power, Tim. Make sure that the power supply is sending the correct voltage to the game board and the screen. Replace if needed. And it could be a board issue. We don't know for sure. So make sure that you um, you check you check that the board is getting power. That's going to be very important. It sounds like all you're getting right now is maybe power to, like I said, the, the general illumination for the game. And so if that's the case, you will need to make sure that your, ga that your game board is getting voltage and the TV as well. Make sure that TV is getting power as well. Um, so Joe, obviously, could be a vertical deflection problem, like Tim mentioned. Check the parts on the horizontal vertical card, specifically uh, the TR301 through 307 transistors and uh, cap capacitors 310 and 311. And a C633, that is not on the HV card, Tim, but you do okay. need to check that as well. Cold, cracked, and or broken solder joints, always, Tim, especially on the pins where that card connects to. Yeah? So make sure that those are making a good connection as well. And Tim, I, get, I did a picture of the HV board here so he can see what it looks like, nice. of course. And then Oliver, vertical classics. We have no idea if that's a, you know, what that is. It could, it sounds, um, it sounds like it could just be a generic name for a multi-game cabinet. It could be that the game has a computer inside and it's just not booting. Okay, mm -hmm. we've seen this before. Uh, you might open it up and let us know what you find. Send pics if you can. Okay, mm -hmm. because we don't know what's in there. I mean, the way you're saying that the monitor comes on and goes off sounds almost like um, if I was using a Raspberry Pi Tim or a PC to power it. Sounds like um, it's coming on for a second because like the signal is. Um, the signal is there, like, just like a computer monitor would. It comes on for a second, mm -hmm. and then there's no signal, so it goes back off. kind of sounds like that. Yeah. And so if that's the case, um, then it may be more of a board-slash-computer issue of some sort. So send us some pictures of the inside. Let us know what you find. We'd be happy to help you out further. Uh, is that everything, Tim? Anything else on these? No, I don't think so. I'll tell you what, that Hotshot 21 is very unique. Um, I yeah, wish I like I could... the pictures there. Yeah, and these are very tiny. I wish I could... I wish... I'll put the URL back up here so you guys can see. So that bit.ly slash Hotshot 21 Redemption. It's an actual redemption game, but like I said, it's more of a kind of half pinball, half video pinball kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's redemption. So unlike like Granny and the Gators or, or Baby Pac-Man, right. this is a little bit older. It has a bigger screen in the back. And like I said, it's, it's, it's more of a pinball machine with a TV. Yeah. And, that, and it, I don't think I don't know how much the uh, TV integrates with the game. So yeah, I've never seen one before. Yeah, I've never seen one in person. I've seen like uh, some photos and things from different things, but I've never never seen one in person. So a very unique piece, and so um, you know it may it may have some board issues, and I think it's fairly old, Tim. So more than likely, uh, it's probably got some issues just from age, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. So um, hopefully, hopefully that helps them out though. Again, star power on that one. Let us know what you get. So anything else, Tim? On anything? Any of these questions that we covered tonight? Nope. Cool. Okay, well, we're going to get to the new section of the show here in just a second. I'm going to catch back up with the live chat real quick. Um, let's see. Real Hammer Billy Lee says he always goes with the Twisted Quarter Super Jam harness. That's a good one, too. I don't have anything against that one. We've used that one before, Tim. Been very mm -hmm. happy with it. We just like the hauling computers. So nothing wrong with the Super Harness. It's good stuff. Big D Retro, so glad that some of these original parts are still out there. I just purchased a, a new old stock. Defender Marquee looks beautiful. You cannot tell it's new old stock. I felt like I won a small lotto. Yeah, so there you go. Now, I will say the reproductions on stuff like that are really good too, to be honest with you, right, Tam? Like, some of those reproduction marquees are almost as good Pretty as the originals. Good. So, um, Nate, a lot of CRT issues tonight. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be, that's one of the big things with uh, arcade games, right? Monitors. I think so. Yeah, uh, for sure. And probably more questions we get about anything else as a monitor yeah. issue. And he says, just wish they were easier to fix. I send mine uh -huh. to the sharp image repair. My soldering skills are bad. Yeah. <coughs> and, you know, um, I tell you what, I've, you know, we had that soldering kit that was on sale a while back yeah. from Amazon. Like, get that. Because I had some real detailed soldering that you could do on it. 
Or if you want to practice, get you one of those little uh, electron- build electronics kits from like Amazon. It used to be Radio Shack. Right. But now Amazon, you can get, you can still get them from Radio Shack, but they're more expensive. Go to Amazon and like get like a little radio, build your own radio kit. And that'll teach you how to solder. I mean, because they just send you a little board and you solder the stuff to it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, after a while, you'll just get good at it. So go through a couple of those. That's, I need to get that for my kids. I think my daughter's probably old enough to start to start doing that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. if she wanted to. And so she likes to, she uh, got a, her big gift from Santa was a robot, too. Uh. So she likes to, and she knows how to program it. So she knows how to program robots. And in fact, she's in robotics club at her school. But um, as far as doing like the building stuff, like the electronic stuff, I think, you know, we need to probably show her a little bit of that and how that works too. That'd so, be cool. For sure. So if you need help soldering, go on to Amazon and get you like a, a soldering practice kit or, or a build your own radio kit. They have a lot of those. The build your, and there's an alarm clock kit too. There's an alarm clock kit. There's like a, a radio kit. And those are the same kits, very similar to the ones that used to have at Radio Shack when we were kids that you would build your own radio and stuff. So, and I mean, who couldn't use another radio? I mean, you got to listen to baseball somehow. Right. That's how I listen to baseball. We all know that. <laughs> so, you know, you need a good AM radio. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, and sharp image repair is great, but I'd also recommend saying it to our friend Paul, who's here in the live chat. For sure. Depending on what you got. So, um, if you have a sharp image monitor, I will say that like Enrique is really great at fixing those because mm. he worked for sharp image. So, um, and, but I mean, if you've got something Paul can fix, Paul's pretty reasonable and does a great job too. Can't get, so paulsmonitors.com. Paul's in the live chat tonight. Shout out to Paul. So give him some business. So if, if you contact him and he can fix your monitor, he'll tell you. He's real familiar with most of the yeah. models. So, uh, Knights of Old, my friend has an estate house with a whole finished basement, uh, game basement, full of early pre-pinball machines. Um, Minnie Williams, gold mine, or too old. So, um, let's see. Uh, what do you think, Tim? So, like, it says pre-pinball machine. Wow. So, wow. Uh, Minnie Williams games. So, uh, <coughs> pre-pinball machines. Yeah, I don't know what, what do you mean by pre-pinball machines, because you go back to the 1700s. Right, exactly. Um, like, are we talking about real pinball? Like, pin pinball? Yeah. Or are we talking, are we talking like... Uh, Old vintage. I, I love vintage stuff. And right. there's the people that are collect them, or they always bring good money. Mm-hmm. Uh, return on investment is probably really good. Uh, but they're paying to work on. I, a lot of stuff um, I, I can't even work on. You know, it's right. just, I don't know how all that stuff works. Yeah, I exactly. understand circuit boards and stuff, electronics, but how... Some of those old slot machines and stuff work with no electronics in them is amazing. Yeah. So if you're talking about electromechanical, electromechanicals can be tough to troubleshoot. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of time. Um, yeah. It's just all switches. So a lot of times they're having a problem. It's a stuck switch somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. not my... Or a stuck reel. Exactly. Or, or something stuck somewhere. And so <clears> you just have to trace down all the connections and make sure everything is everything's connected properly. So, I mean, the um, the switches in electromechanical work no different than, than the same... It's the same on and off premise that like a board works on. It's the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, it just... Like I said, it just takes... It takes time to troubleshoot. So if you've got time to kind of go through switches, make sure things are connected properly, then, I mean, you can troubleshoot them. But it is time consuming. That's the biggest part. Whereas with a board, you know, you just, you can take out a board and, you know, you can, you know, fix it a lot, a little bit easier because you can remove it from the cabinet, follow which the is power, nice, yeah. right? Exactly. You can follow, you can follow things around, but a little bit easier to follow depending on the model. The new ones are not so repair friendly, obviously, since we've gone to, you know, like the new bus based systems and things yes. like that, which you have those little small boards and stuff. That's a little bit different, but, um. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anything from, like, the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know, it's pretty easy to troubleshoot because it's electronic just like video, like arcade games are. So, I mean, but, like, so you can do electromechanical, and it's not that they're complicated, it's just a lot of time to find a stuck switch, you know? So, 
Uh, let's see. Nate says he sends mostly the MS8 and MS9 stuff too. So uh, these pinballs are a hard sell. Most pins, pinballs are there are not late 70s to current. Uh, they're hard to sell and harder to fix. Yeah, exactly. So if it's not late 70s to current, that's the stuff. That's harder stuff to do. Also hard to find parts. Rejected Maniac. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, YouTube Punk. I recommend John's Arcade videos on uh, where he diagnoses the EM pinball. Also Joe's Arcade. Yes. So there's some great videos on YouTube about EM repair. Um, we, we, um, John Costa down in Houston has a business where he does that. And we've got some videos <clears throat> with him on our YouTube page from the Houston show. Um, he does that work and he's mm -hmm. brilliant at it. So if you're looking for somebody to repair and you're near Houston, highly recommend John Costa mm -hmm. if he's still doing that stuff. So, um, let's see. So yeah, I think we're caught up Tim. We good? Okay. okay. So news has been sparse to say the least because, okay. you know, we got Christmas and getting into the new year, but there are a couple of things that we can talk about Tim here, uh, that we did post on the Facebook page and just in general. So our first news story is the Nova Blast candy cabinet. Have you seen this Tim? Yes. So Unico, um, got a lot of notoriety. I think we covered Tim when they released their four by three LCD monitor, mm -hmm. which is, um, pretty popular. People have had some issues with like the resolution on it and stuff, but they say they're coming out with a fix for that, okay. which is good. But now they've announced that they're, uh, they announced a Nova Blast candy cabinet and they did the pricing as well. So it's technically like a bar top, Tim, but you can get a base to it to give it a full-size arcade feel, So which gives you a total of 62 inches. Now, candy cabinets, typically you sit down at anyway. So mm -hmm. 62 inches, I know that's not like full-size, full-size arcade cabinet, but for a candy cab, it's pretty, pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, because candy cabs you typically sit down at anyway. It's kind of like a <clears throat> uh, cabaret. Yeah. So it's built from metal and has a state-of-the-art system, Tim, that allows mm -hmm. it to accept multiple arcade PCBs via different edge connector adapters. The monitor installed in it is a 26-inch LCD 4x3. So it's probably the same one that we've seen them advertise uh, as a standalone on their website, Tim. Mm -hmm. And it does ex accept the CGA, EGA, HDMI, and VGA with 1440 by 1080 resolution. The price for the deluxe package, which includes the bar top cabinet plus its base, is $1199 and will ship in April. And Tim, to be honest with you, that's not a bad price for what you're getting, I feel like. So, Ooh, I mean, I, I think people say, like, the Vulix cabinets are not a whole lot more, and people feel like the build quality on them is really great. So, um, I don't know how this would compare with that. People who are into candy caps probably have a better idea than I do. But I will say, I, I mean, just watching their videos for the, for this, it looks pretty fun. Yeah, it looks fun. Yeah, and, I mean, they had two of them linked together in some of the videos that I saw. So, they were playing the game, you know, they were playing one game between the two cabinets, and, and, and it's a two-player cabinet. And seems to be um, seems to be comfortable for two players to get around. Probably a lot more comfortable than an arcade one up. So I mean, people get around those. So um, you know, I, it's a little on the high side, but I think for I mean, it's all metal. That's, yeah. You're not getting that from arcade one up for sure. You know, so I mean, you're getting a pretty solid cabinet here, and I do think that uh, for the price, seems like a good deal. Unico, uh, of course, Tim made the Neo Geo setup, the Neo Geo. Um, bar top with the stand mm -hmm. that a lot of people like looks just like a neo geo cabinet and so this is just kind of they're kind of getting into more of the generic market with this for people who want to go maybe maybe the main route or something else and so if you know if you need a cabinet and you want something solid twelve hundred dollars you know plus shipping i'm sure you know seems like a pretty good deal for what you get um Oh, we got Rob here. Rob says, I've got the 19-inch Unico for my Fix-It Felix build. When I powered it up, all I got was a white screen waiting on the driver board to arrive. Uh, so I'm on the fence about their quality right now. Oh. That's good to know. Thank you for the update on that, Rob. So I, I like I said, I've heard good things about them from the people who own the Neo Geo cabinets. But again, your mileage may vary, right, Tim? For sure. So, it's better to hear from somebody that actually has experience with them. Hopefully they'll be able to 
correct it without charging yeah. anymore. I've seen the videos from the 26, and for the most part, I think it's fine. Uh, some people were complaining about resolution and stuff, but to be honest with you, it looked nice to me. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I would consider buying one and replacing my 25 with one of their 26s, especially if I was an arcade operator. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty reasonable with a three, four hundred dollars. I mean, for a four by three that does a direct replacement, it's yeah, not bad. Not too bad. So for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, look, no matter who the manufacturer is, you're gonna get a bad one every so often. So I wouldn't necessarily count them out. I mean, obviously, Rob, uh, you're probably gonna have to find out once you get your new one whether or not it's mm-hmm. uh, whether or not you like their quality. But uh, you know, you're gonna have bad ones from time to time. At least you found out when you got out of the box and you're able to return it to them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. But anyway, um, so far though. You know, Unico seems to be good from what people are saying. A couple of resolution issues with the 26-inch I've, I've heard of. And, of course, Rob's experience. But, you know, I mean, it sounds like they're taking care of him at least. You know, they're not hanging him out to dry. So, you know, that's good. So oh, anybody, a good customer service to me is like is like the key. So, if you know, if you get a bad product that arrives, if they replace it for you, it seems like, you know, they're doing their due diligence and they're, they're going to get it to you. So let us know, Rob, once you get the 19-inch, what you think gives your opinion on it. I'd love to hear that. So... Uh, let's see. Best place to buy fuses in bulk from Junk- Jumping General, Tim. I usually just bought them straight from, um, I like Mauser, is who I used a lot. Okay. Uh, Hap's not a bad place. Yeah, Hap will sell them in bulk. You can get but them off eBay, too. I'm sure you can get them on Amazon. Yeah, now. Amazon. So. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Mauser, DigiKey, I'm sure, has, yeah, for sure they have them, and then, uh, yeah, of course, like Hap would have some. And then Hap, though, you know, they've gotten to their minimum order. is really high now. Right. I forget what their minimum order is. So, like eBay, Amazon would probably be your best bets. You know, DigiKey Mauser, if you've got an order you're putting in anyway, may be worth it, too. Uh, let's see. Um, Nate says you can get a Vulix and a Namco um, for a newer can- candy LCD if you want a CRT based candy get an astro <coughs> black city great machines yeah i'm not a candy cabinet person but i know a lot of you guys are and so um there's a lot of like viewlix people like our friend uh, obviously mark bought a viewlix and i think he loves it too mm-hmm. he thinks it's great so i mean you know you get get whatever uh, you like but i mean i think for what they're charging here it doesn't seem to be a bad deal by any means so uh the 19 inch was 200 dollars, is what rob said nice. which is a good price that's i mean that's about what we would spend on a 19 right tim yeah so there you go um, let's see, Knights of Old, oh, Knights of Old is, I guess, getting us an update on some of the, um, the pre-pinball machines, the early pinball machines that were there. He says, one of the games is Bally's Grandstand Horse Racing Pinball from the 1930s. Wow. 1938, it looks like, Tim. It's so, like, so out of our era, I really wouldn't know much about it, but if you go, like he said, and watch our videos and contact John Costa, those guys would probably really be interested in some of that stuff. Gotta find the right buyer. The... The th- um, my uncle, I was talking with my uncle Tim. My uncle has sold cars forever, and even though that's not his primary business now, he used to own a dealership. Now he's he's doing like um, more like specialty cars. But he used to say that uh, like um, cars from the 1950s used to be a big seller for him because you had mm-hmm. these guys who remembered like those cars were their first cars. And he's like, you know what? Those cars are starting to lose value now. Yeah. And now it's cars from the 1970s. 80s, 70s and are 80s, the ones yeah. that 70s and 80s that are the ones that people want because those are the ones that people remember. And so it's kind of the same with pinball machines. There's not a lot of people from who are around anymore who want a pinball machine from 1938. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, finding an audience for that is very limited. And so um, as far as gold mine goes, I wouldn't say gold <coughs> mine. You may be able to make – if you could buy them in bulk for cheap, you may be able to turn them for some profit. But I wouldn't look at I wouldn't look at it as like a you know you're gonna buy them for a hundred and sell them for like thousands. Right. You know I mean you'd be you'd be lucky you know if you get one you buy it for a hundred if it's working you may turn it for three or four hundred. Yeah. You know what I'm saying you may be able to and make if some it's money not on working, it. It may take more than you 
uh, willing to spend to get it working. Exactly. So really just depends. But uh, that age, again, is kind of out of style with the people who are buying pinball machines now. Uh, most of the people who are buying pinball machines now either want the title that they remember playing when they were kids, which right now would be like 80s and 90s pinball machines, some 70s, or they want the new title, whatever the new thing it is that's coming up. And speaking sure. of that, Tim, let's talk about the new thing that's coming right. up right now. Stern <clears throat> just announced Jaws. Mm-hmm. Now, Tim, I took a picture of what I thought was the coolest thing on the play field. There's mm-hmm. a boat, and, you know, like when you shoot the pinball into the boat, the back of it lifts up and Jaws it's comes out. It. Okay. I think that's really cool. Uh, so really cool stuff, but uh, after being rumored for some time, Stern Pinball has officially announced its Jaws pinball machine. <coughs> now you got me doing it, Tim. Well, Stern will ne- will be trickling out details about the game over the next week. Some information has already surfaced, including the game trailer that shows the cabinet and playfield features. Pricing is rumored to be the same. Actually, pricing is confirmed to be the same, with the pro model starting at six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. Now, Tim. Um, this is an old IP for sure, and a lot of people are griping about that. They're saying Jaws is kind of old. Uh, Tim, you know, I don't think I've ever seen Jaws all the way through. I've always just got big <laughs> bits and pieces of it my entire life. So I don't think I've actually watched the entire thing all the way through. I know it's fantastic because I've heard people talk about it. And I've seen bits and pieces when I catch it on like TV or whatever. I do not think I've sat down and watched the whole thing. So with that in mind, I probably will at some point. But I don't know. A lot of people are complaining that the IP is too old. What do you think? Yeah, well, it old people spend money. It's true. <laughs> and uh, people that like it. Um, fun fact, uh, this elbow right here was in Jaws 3. Oh, really? <laughs> I was in uh, Florida. They were filming one day, and they told me and my nephew to play on the beach area. Oh. And we were at SeaWorld. Uh, if you guys remember, it's a 3D one. And where they were filming a scene where um, they were doing like... Uh, the, what do you call it? The the skiers were doing the pyramid. Oh yeah. Okay. And anyway, so just off off the record, I think all I see is my elbow in that movie. But <laughs> um, but uh, Steven Spielberg was there. Of course, we didn't know who he was at the time. Never heard of him. Right. But he let all the kids. Uh, they brought the shark up and opened his mouth and got pictures of sitting inside the mouth like that open. Oh, cool. Wide. So. That's all we got paid for it, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I mean, I think the theme is cool. I think just looking at the cabinet, the cabinet, the artwork looks great. And the features on the cabinet look cool. It looks different. I will say that, like, the layout is different than some yeah. of the more recent Sterns. I, mean, I, feel like, I feel like they've been reusing a lot of themes, but yeah. I feel like a lot of playfield layouts. But I feel like this layout is different. So, I, I mean, maybe that's just me. And I, I, I'm, I'm just, like I said, you're really... I remember the movie, but I that was the one I remember was Jaws 3. Right. So the actual movie that come out, I was too little to watch it. I probably wasn't allowed to watch it. Right. Um, so I saw it later in life. But um, so we're talking about people who are probably 10 years older than me or in their 60s now, uh, maybe retired or whatever. That's like my parents. Yeah. So, you know. But my dad's not buying a pinball machine no, right now. Probably not. <laughs> so. But the people who have the money to spend and drop seven grand on one, these are the, this is your audience. Sure. I understand. I think it's cool. I actually think I, I actually think that um, I actually think that the theme is cool. I mean, because yeah. I think it is iconic. Even for people who don't know the movie, they know they know the music. Yeah, everybody's heard. Dun, 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 yeah, exactly. Dun, dun. They know the music. They know sharks just in general are right. scary. <laughs> so I think for the most part, it it works. 
You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much they paid for the license. That's a different thing. But I think it does work for what it's worth. So yeah. um, it's a good good title. Yeah, exactly. And so still, guys, out of my price range, because golly, I think I, you know, <laughs> things have gone up so much. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a good seller for them at uh, all. So let's see what we got. I want to come over here and see what people are saying. Um, uh, Rejected Maniac says, not sure if I can try places or trust places like eBay and Amazon anymore for fuses. Saw Amazon selling uh, vehicle fuses that don't blow uh, for their rating 2 amp. Fuse that didn't blow until 10 was applied. Stick to Mauser. Yeah, so I mean, that's yeah. a good point too. Um, Tim, we talked about the um, the little uh, breakers. The fuse breakers, remember those? I got uh -huh. you a set, right? Yes. I yeah, so, so that, those things are great. So what it is, is it's a... Um, it's a little amp breaker that looks just like a breaker like you would have in your um, in your breaker box, but they blow on the same amp as what a fuse would. So that you had a one amp one, a two amp one, a uh -huh. five amp one, a ten amp one, a twenty amp one, and so you can put that where the fuse is supposed to go, and instead of popping the fuse, it just trips the breaker, right. which is great for troubleshooting. Right. Golly, so that way you don't have to go through ten fuses and keep blowing them, wondering where it is. Right, you can use it. Right, exactly. So if you're looking for uh, something to test a game that's blowing fuses with, don't buy multiple fuses anymore. Buy the circuit breakers for the arcade. The arcade fuse circuit breakers. Buy I those. Agree. And we had them linked in a live show. I bought Tim a set, which we have somewhere. But um, but oh, they yeah. are very handy. That's the thing to get. Um, yeah, and you test your fuses when you get them if you're worried about that. So, like, you know, if you... You know, you should be able to test them, put a little voltage on them, and if the, you know, make sure they're blowing at the right amperage they're supposed to blow at. Because yeah, you can get fuses. You can get bad parts anywhere, though, Tim. You can. I mean, we've gotten bad parts from Bob Roberts before. I mean, and right. Bob Roberts is somebody we bought parts from forever. So I mean, you know, I will say that. But Mauser and DigiKey are probably more reputable sellers when it comes to that. Hap, of course, places like that. Yeah. Um, we will say too, if they're a Hap distributor, if they're a company that buys a lot of Hap parts and they have fuses, more than likely those fuses came from Hap. So, I mean, you know, we, we have friends who are HAP resellers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, HAP resellers, all they do is they buy in such huge quantities that they can resell it cheaper than HAP because they're getting the quantity discount, right? right. And so a HAP reseller may have those fuses cheaper as well. So, uh, let's see. Um, YouTube Punk says, Jimmy Johnson's Western co uh, Company by Ed Guida covers pre-pinball coin-op pinball-like games. Interesting. So, there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, excellent point. Too much junk on Amazon these days. Absolutely. So be careful what you're getting there, guys. Uh, let's see. The estate games look to be in the category called Bingo Machines. So there is a good podcast on EM and Bingo Pinball Machines. I think it's called the Amusement Only, for Amusement Only podcast. Check with those guys if you've got Bingo and EM Machines. Because those guys know how to do the repairs, too. In fact, I think they built Bingo games from scratch. So I think it's called Four Amusement Only. If those guys are still around, contact them. They probably have a lot of knowledge about the games that you're looking at there. Uh, let's see. Oh, YouTube Punk says, I knew I recognized that elbow. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, Big D Retro, I wonder if Unico will do a 25 in the future. So their 25 is a 26. They mm -hmm. have a 26 LCD that fits in place of a 25. And so and it is available. You can get it. You can pre-order them. They're like three or 400 bucks. They're on the Unico website. You can go there. They have them. So, um, let's see. Uh, Jumping General, is Bob Roberts still in, biz in business? I believe so. Uh, he yeah. stopped taking orders there for a while, but I think they're, he's back to taking orders. As far so. as we know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the real Bob Roberts done that. Yeah. You got to send him an email though, right? Yep. Yep. There you go. So, um, Jaws Pinball, guys. Um, 
just kind of last thoughts on that. I mean, I think it's going to be a big seller for them. I, there's a million different people who do like pinball videos about this stuff and everything. So you guys can kind of look for them if you want like a more in-depth analysis. We <clears> don't <throat> really do that. But uh, I'm going to play it next time I see it. I want to give it a whirl. So, you know, what about you, Tim? Yeah. yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, so we'll see how it plays. I'd love to see it. Exactly. We'll see how it plays next time we give it a, uh, we can give it a whirl. So I always reserve, I always try to reserve my judgment until after I've played it. But lately I haven't just been, I haven't been playing many games. So it's kind of hard to tell, you know. Hopefully I'll get I'll get to play some more pinball soon. Maybe pinball festival. We talked about right. going this year. For sure. Maybe we'll be able to make it this year. So. Okay, Tim. Uh, this was the last thing, and this actually came out today, but I found it just super <clears throat> interesting. And I know for a while, Tim, that you you and me were kind of obsessed with the Vectrex a little bit, uh-huh. kind of the the game console that it was. But Ars Technica actually released an article today called Vectrex Reborn: How a Chance Encounter Gave New Life to a Dead Console. And it's an article discussing the history of the Vetrex game console and the discovery of an unfinished game, A Crush of Lucifer, Tim. Okay. Steven Salter found the game while searching through a collection of a former Milton Bradley engineer, which was the company that uh, bought out GCE, which was the company that actually created the Vetrex. Okay. And so uh, Sean Kelly contacted Salter when the game was discovered and helped him to get the code finished and release the game for production. So now you can actually play A Crush of Lucifer and Tim... The cool thing about this game is it's got a lot of concepts that we see in later games. Oh. It's a spaceship game where basically you fly through uh, like a little area and then through a tunnel. And at the end, you battle this big Lucifer head. Okay. And then you have to beat the Lucifer head. But it's very reminiscent of something like Star Fox. Yeah. Um, or or um, what's the one we had? Star Sin- Blade. Sinistar. Remember Star Blade? <laughs> or not not so much Sinistar, but those polygonal. Okay. like You know, so Star Blade. Remember yeah, Star, Star Blade? Blade. So right. very much like a Star Blade or a Star Fox style game. And um, you got to remember, though, this is way before those games ever existed. Yeah. So, which is pretty impressive. And so I watched some videos on it today, just of the gameplay, and I was like, wow, for, you know, 1983, this looks really great, <laughs> you know? But, um, of course, that game never saw the light of day uh, during the Vectrex's, you know, heyday, because basically Vectrex came out at the wrong time, at the end for of sure. the, the video game crash. And so, you know, um, but the Vectrex was a cool console because it was a TV, it was a CRT built in to the game system itself. You kind of had an all-in-one, which was great because back in the day, people only had one TV. And if you wanted to play Atari and your parents wanted to watch, uh, you know, whatever TV show they watch, what's a good TV show from the era, Tim, that you remember growing up watching? Ed Sullivan? <laughs> Ed Sullivan. So, um, uh, anything else? I was thinking uh, Family Ties or something. Oh, okay. I, was, I, was, I, was growing I went up in back that too area. far. Yeah. yeah, I went back too far. So, like, Family Ties? Yeah, so, like, I mean, if your parents wanted to watch Family Ties and you want to play video games, you know, yeah. of course you can play Atari because... TV is already occupied, but you could play the Vectrex, so, uh, which was the cool thing about it. So if you haven't checked out the videos, though, on A Crush of Lucifer, I would highly <coughs> recommend those because, like I said, the gameplay is fairly reminiscent of some of the later polygonal um, kind of Starfighter-type games that you would see. Like I said, uh, very much like a Star Blade or a Star Fox. Okay. So uh, cool stuff. Oh, there was one for the... Um, there's a game like that for the Sega CD, too, and I can't think of the name of it. But, um, yeah, so a lot of those concepts kind of got adapted... I mean, obviously the game never came out, so not from that, but it, you could see the direction it was heading, for sure. Nice. So cool stuff. But I thought the graphics for the time were super impressive, and uh, fun to, it looked like it was fun to play. So, cool stuff. Yeah, we never got that Vetrix, did we, Tim? I know you wanted one for a long time, and we never... Time, we saw yeah. we saw a couple, but they were always way out of our price range. Yeah. Not I mean, when the thing came out, it was only 200 bucks, but people are still selling for $200 now, I feel like. Yeah. So... Um, uh, Knights of Old says people are still making games for the Vetrex. They are very cool. Uh, but you, if you miss the release, they're money on eBay. They're high dollar on eBay. There you go. 
Alan says, I have two Vectrexes, the 3D Imager and the Light Pen. Amazing system. Wow. So um, Rob says, are they selling that game with an overlay? Yes, they are. You can mm -hmm. get um, you can get the uh, Crush of Lucifer game uh, with the overlay and the instruction manual and a box. Wow. They sell it all the way, um, all the way packaged. So uh, let's see. So yes, they are selling it with the overlay. So love my Vectrex, says Nate. Yeah, it's a cool system. Golly, I liked it. I think it's the only one, Tim, only one of the classic systems you didn't have. <clears throat> For sure. You know what I'm saying? I think you had <coughs> you had pretty much everything else. I think so, I did. But uh, yeah, we were always looking for to hunt one down for cheap. But yeah. finding one for cheap was always a trick. Never so never expensive. run across one on yeah. a good day. Oh, we've ran across them. Yeah. But the people want that's what I'm they saying. want money. The day when I had that money and it was a good deal. Yeah, exactly. So anyway. Cool stuff, guys. So yeah. Play your Vectrex today. For mm -hmm. sure. And get a crush of Lucifer. While you're at it. John, I almost sent this to you, and we can talk about this news that okay. just broke. Oh, right. Did you hear about the kid playing Tetris? Yes. Oh, I forgot to post that. Yes, that was a good. Uh, and so we can talk about it. The 13 year old kid reached the end of NES the, Tetris. Reached the end of NES Tetris. How yeah, hard is that? That's <laughs> pretty incredible. And like you said, I didn't even know there was an end. Neither did I. So, um, <laughs> the game basically just quit, right? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Kill screen, right? Pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool whenever somebody does that. Again, kill screen, basically. So, yeah. he kill screened it. Who knew? So, um, very cool. Congratulations to him. That is one of the coolest things. 13 years um, old. I saw that story and I didn't post it. I probably should have. I know... I, console stuff, I'm always debating like whether or yeah. not we're going to do. Vectrex, I feel like, is very close to like Vector Arcade games, so I, did, I felt okay with that. But the NES story, I was like, oh, should I, should I not? But I still think it's a cool accomplishment. Oh, I thought it was congratulations, cool. congratulations to him. And like, I played that game my entire <laughs> life. I never got that far. So, not even close. I mean, same kind of thing. And he's 13 and he beat the thing. So, um, And I love Tetris, Tim. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, I, inter I introduced it. my uh, daughter to it. We played Tetris 99 on the Switch. We love that game. Um, it, it's such. It's just an easy, fun game to sit there and play. And you kind of get in the zone. That's what I like. It's one of the few games where if I start playing that, I just get in the zone to where it's like nothing else around me matters for a second as long as I'm focused on that game. I can do that with Tetris. Galaga, I'm like that on. So once I get in the Galaga zone, I just feel like, you know, the whole outside world just disappears for a second. <laughs> there you, know? you go. So those games, I don't know what there is about them. There's just, it's, it's kind of like it just, they just click with me. I don't know, so... Nate says, enjoying the CDI or or, or 3DO. So uh, I've never had a CDI, but I do remember when I was a kid waking up and watching infomercials for the Philips CDI. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I always wanted a Philips CDI. I always wanted a Sony mini disc player. And I never had either one of those, Tim. <laughs> but I remember I was an infomercial kid. I would wake up at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and I would watch infomercials. And so that's I always thought the CDI, they always made the CDI look like the coolest thing in the world on those infomercials, Tim. Oh, Same thing true. with mini-discs. Mini-discs were like CDs, but you could record them, and, you know, like right. easily and stuff. They were So, I mean, I always thought mini-discs were cool. And I remember going to Best Buy and seeing the mini-disc section, mini-disc se section and just thinking mm -hmm. it was cool. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I had... I've had a 3DO. I remember when I was a kid going to Best Buy and seeing the 3DO, like mm -hmm. having the kiosk and playing it. Um, I have, I think, one or two 3DO consoles. So nice. I do have those. Nice. Um, I think I've had everything else besides, like, the Philips CDI. Um, you know. But Knights of Old, uh, Vec Fever has Star Wars running on the Vectrex, and it looks amazing. Yep. There you go. That's cool. Uh, YouTube Punk says there's an awesome video of it. You can actually skip to skip the kill screen and go further in NES Tetris, he says. So there you go. Um, <coughs> Knights of Old says the game where he zooms out is Time Pilot. He can get in a Time uh, Pilot zone. Yeah. So there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, Alan said, didn't I have a CDI, but do have a Gold Star 3DO? So I don't think I have... 
I don't think I had the Gold Star. I'm pretty sure I had the, the um, what was the other 3DO, Tim? Was it Panasonic? I think I have a Panasonic. So, uh, if you, what game puts you in the zone like that? <laughs> like question. Galaga and Tetris for me, where like just everything else just kind of disappears for a second. Tim, what game does that for you? Is there uh, a certain game that you just get in the zone? <coughs> Back in the day, I loved Star Castle. I could really just kind of... Star Castle? Know, just get in there and play it. That was probably one of the better games I was better at. Was Star better Castle at. is fun. Um, I've seen you play Gyrus. Yeah. And I would say that's yeah, probably like that. Um, me and Tim, for a while, they were really big in the kicks. And so, like, when yeah. I'm playing... When I've got a good kicks game going... Yeah. Oh, like, I, you can't get me, like... It's that game that when somebody's talking to you, you just totally ignore them. That's the zone, right? And like then, you're just totally and then we'd play Wizard of War together. Right, we exactly. Team made up. And right, you, exactly. If you had the right partner, you could get a long way. Wizard of War, game. if you had the right person that knew what they were doing, you could get pretty far. It's fun. Uh, let's see. Nate says, I used to have a Midas player, only person in junior high. Everyone else owned an Apple Shuffle. I was the odd man out. There you <laughs> go. Uh, Alan that says, the Panasonic was the other 3DO. I have a Panasonic 3DO. I think I have two of them. I have two Panasonic 3DOs. I've nice. never had the Gold Star. Um, Rob says, Lou Mines on PSP is the zone game for him. Lou Mines is a great game. Um, trying to think of what other games. Um, if I'm playing Super Mario Brothers, I can get in that zone sometimes. Like, yeah. especially, um, Super Mario 64, just because I played, man, I played the mess out of that game. I love that game so much. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other games that I can zone out on. I feel like two-player games are harder to do that on. So, like, like fighting games, I was never like that because I was always trying to predict what the other person was doing. So I was looking at hand motions or I was trying to focus on other things. Um, I, I'm trying to think if there's any other games like that. You know, I remember Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. Oh, really? I really, it's like I kind of quit playing games for a couple years and then all of a sudden we got that game and we just played it over Christmas over and over and over and over and over. <coughs> and got pretty good at it. I will say Mega Man uh, is probably one of the ones I'm like that with. The Mega Man series. So especially Mega Man 2. Uh -huh. Like you really have to be focused on Mega Man 2 in some of the areas. Especially like that first, the first level of like the Dr. Wally, Wily Castle. Golly, that's tough. Like you have to really get into the, really get into the focus to get that. Uh, YouTube Punk says Arkanoid for him. Knights of Old says Stargate Defender. Okay. Stargate Defender I can definitely see. Um, let's see... Um, Jumping General says, too bad I didn't buy arcade games back in the 90s. Would have been cheaper prices. You know, um, late 90s, early 2000s were probably when yeah. the market really bottomed out. So early 2000s, when I met Tim, that was a good time. Um, and good we were time. able to get things for cheap. But, um, you know, it's just demand has gone up. That's really, and, you know, um, a lot of that has to do with, like we say, like, uh, not just more people having the ability to buy them, but more people, more demand for them thanks to, like, bar arcades and things. Right. So... Uh, Nate says Mega Man 2 and 3 are the jam. Absolutely. Mega Man 2 or 3 are fantastic games. I have, uh, yeah. there's a video of me getting Mega Man 2 for my birthday one year. Oh, fun. So, good stuff. Love that game. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, guys, is one of my favorite games of all time, and I can definitely get in the zone on that. I was trying to think if there's any more puzzle games, because I like a lot of puzzle games. Columns for the Sega Genesis. Have you guys ever played, you ever played Columns? Nope. I can get into, the, I can get into a Columns <coughs> for sure. Um, if I, you know, just like I can with Tetris, same kind of thing. Columns is a match three game. So think like Candy Crush, right? Yep. Match three games. Puzzle Bobble. It's like that. Love Puzzle Bobble. So, uh, some bust a move. It's basically bust Missile a move. Command back in the day. I could get all my lives Missile up, Command, for sure. I could really get. Missile Command's definitely a game where you can I get into the pretty zone. good, yeah. Absolutely. And, and as much as I like Miss, Missile Command, the only way to play that game is on the cabinet. Oh, yeah. That big trackball yeah. makes all the difference. If you have a tiny trackball, not, not the, the same. same. <laughs> not the same. 
So, Shinobi and Strider for Zone Games for him. Yes, Shinobi and Strider are fantastic. Golly. Shinobi, um, all the Shinobi games are good. Uh, and then uh, the original Shinobi on the arcade was good, but, like, the ones on the Sega Genesis were good, too. Shinobi 2 and 3. Uh, Strider, of course, man. I mean, just, man, that's a fantastic game. Fantastic game. Okay. If you guys have any more games to get you in the zone, let us know. But we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here, Tim, and uh, give our our normal spell here at the end of the episode, including the fact that we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we are looking for people to submit your videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug-in for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And as Tim, we all, Tim, we always want people to do that. If you're if you've got some arcade-related videos and you're right at the maybe the edge of being monetized on that, we want to make sure that uh, we can help you get over that. So, um, you know, we'll give you a little free advertising here on our channel. And that way, hopefully, you can get over the advertising hump and get to where you can make a little money off of your videos. So if you're on that bubble where you need a little help with that and you have arcade-related videos, please let us know. We'd love to help you out. And then, Tim, of course, we have our contact information. We have our email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Of course, if you put live show on the subject, it'll get mentioned on the show. Otherwise, we will try to uh, either answer it or fit in the live show just as we can. So, again, best way to get in contact with us is, with us is definitely through the email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Of course, those of you guys who are watching this episode already know that. But if you're listening to this on the Question Answer Podcast feed, you can go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com and watch this episode as well as watch the after show because the after show is not posted on the audio podcast feed. And we do try to cover comments from the last live show on the next episode. Mention that at the top of the show, Tim, that if you would like to leave us a question to cover on our next episode, you can leave it in the comments for this episode. And we'll get to it on episode 84, right? 84? Yep, 84. Okay, there you go. 84, gosh. Okay, and then we have our podcast feed, and we have our we have our iTunes page at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com. We have our Spotify page at spotify.arcaderepairtips.com. And we have our Audible page at audible.arcaderepairtips.com. And that, of course, contains the audio from the live shows, as, long, as well as any interviews that we've done. Um, old question and answer podcast episodes can be find, found there. And old podcast episodes in general can be found at all of those pages. So, uh, And we would appreciate if you'd leave us a review if you think that our content is, you know, worth leaving a review for. So um, we do appreciate that. That will help us get more exposure and hopefully allow more people to find our podcast wherever they go. So, again, uh, iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com for you Apple users out there. Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com if you have Spotify. And Audible.ArcadeRepairTips.com if Audible is your podcasting app of choice. And then we have our social media pages at uh, Facebook.ArcadeRepairTips.com and Twitter .arcaderepairtips.com. Yes, we still use Twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. We know it is called X now, but we just can't bring ourselves to give up the Twitter handle. So, uh, but we want, do want to thank Mark for all of his contributions again, and uh, and yeah, we always enjoy um, all y'all's comments on some of the stories that we post there as well. We always try to post new stories as we find them. So if you're interested in arcade and video game related news stories, check out our Twitter and f- Facebook feeds for those. And Tim, I think that's about it. Uh, we do have a couple more zone games, I, I think, here, Tim. Let okay. me go back over to the live uh-huh. chat. Rejected Maniac says, In the Hunt is also a great game that gets me in the zone. Great game. If you haven't played it, I've got a good friend who, that's his favorite arcade game of all time, is In the Hunt. Uh-huh. In the Hunt is very fun. So if you haven't had a chance to play, we would recommend that. So, But, Tim, I think we're going to wrap up the regular show here. We do have the after show coming up. And Tim mentioned that he went to the movie theater to see a movie. What movie was that, Tim? 
I went and saw the Iron Claw. The Iron Claw, which yeah. features uh, the the story of the Von Eric family. Von Eric family. That is yeah, correct. I do want to see this, so I, I am anxiously awaiting your review, and we yeah. will be talking about it in the after show. Tim, um, let me just name a sample of some of the movies that I saw over the uh, holiday. I saw Maestro, Leave the World Behind, Bank of Dave, The Holdovers, Genie, the and the family plan those are the movies i watched and you will get to hear my opinion on all of them if you are so inclined to hear that and that will be in the after show so if you're watching this for the first time the after show starts about five minutes after the regular live show here if you're listening to it on the podcast feed you will have to go to the youtube page for this episode to see the after show we don't put the audio of the after show on the podcast feed so uh, again Five minutes after we end the live show here, we will get into the after show. And the only difference between the after show and the regular live show is that no topic is off limits. So we'll be talking movies, TV shows. We'll also be talking about sports. Tim, Dallas Cowboys are in a pretty good position right now. And me and Tim are Cowboys fans, obviously. We'll also be talking about the college football playoff. And I think there were some there were some uh, some upsets on my side, Tim, mm-hmm. that we'll talk about. And uh, Mavericks, Tim, you went to a game, right? I did go to a game. He mentioned that, so we'll talk a little bit more about Tim's experience at the Maverick game. Uh, we'll be also talking about the USFL-XFL merger. That's interesting, yeah. So um, spring football all coming together. And Tim, I'd just like to remind everybody that the Texas Rangers won the World Series this year. And so <laughs> we'll be talking about that just because. And I have a trip coming up tomorrow. We can talk about that. So yeah. if you want to hear about all those topics I just summarized, then make sure you stay tuned for the after show here that will start in about five minutes. But if you're ready to get off here and you are you want to say goodbye or goodnight or whatever you want to do, you're more than welcome to do that because we're wrapping up the regular live show right now. So we do want to thank you for joining us t- this evening and for uh, writing in your questions. We want to give a big thanks over here to uh, the live chat. So a big round of applause to you guys. Thank y'all did great guys. tonight. Um, so glad having y'all here. Hopefully <coughs> being back on the first Thursday of the month made a difference, Tim. Hopefully so. So hopefully a lot of you guys were able to make it who maybe weren't able to make it for some of the previous shows. So, But you guys participated a lot in the show tonight. We want to thank you guys for your support. Support. Always great having all of you here. Tim, as we always say, you know, it's not the same without you here. And that's exactly my point. Make sure that you're here because the show will be different with you because you'll chime in in this live chat and we will answer. Tim, we answer. We address almost everything that's in the live chat. We try to. We try to hit everything. So if you chime in, we try to hit hit whatever it is that you said, whatever topic it is. We try to help you out. If that's a question about arcade repair, or if that's something in general, we always try to, to make your presence known here on the show. So thank you guys for chiming in tonight. Tim, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up the live show for tonight? Well, if I can speak, we'll just say Happy New Year to everybody. We look forward to uh, more uh, live shows in the new year and answering more questions. And uh, so we hope that your family and you are blessed and that you have a very successful year no matter what you do and that uh, you get to play a lot of games. And fix a lot of games. Yeah. Because remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you play the game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show. We'll see you next month for our February live show. Take care, everybody. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.